Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 124 of Beer Knowledge the Podcast Adjunct Series. We are back again, ladies and gentlemen, with another banger. As always, they are uh, never short of bangers over here. I'm excited for this one. This is a brewery I've been uh, hearing a bunch about over the last few years, and uh, I'm super keen to hear the whole story and, and get into the brew. So, as always, though, folks, you know the vibes. Before that, we are proudly brought to you this week once again by the good folks at Manscaped. Let's give them some applause right there. There we go. There we go. So, spring has sprung technically as the time of recording a day or two ago. And our friends at Manscaped have the best tools for some spring cleaning. They've already helped you tidy up the nooks and crannies of your body's basement. But this year, Manscaped can help you get the perfect presentation on that beautiful face with the new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Make sure you look your best this spring by using the code BAOS and you get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. So, Beards. I would say a lot of people who listen to craft beer podcasts and drink craft beer either have a beard or know someone with a beard. For some reason, it seems to be quite the trend. Um, so this could be helpful for you. It's time to tame your mane with the Beard Hedger Pro kit. The sun is peeking back out a little bit, which means you have to show your face in the daylight again. So use the kit to make sure your scruff looks award-winning, whether you got glorious beard flow or some smooth, sleek cheeks. The kit starts off with the Beard Hedger, a waterproof cordless trimmer with a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting legs with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of add-ons. Very handy. It also comes with titanium T-coated blades that are tough on hair, but smooth on your face. Uh, leading to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel size package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. And it feels wicked. It's got these little, like, I don't know, like angled edges that just make it really easy to hold. Same as the uh, the, the, the actual Manscaped lawnmower. See, uh, next, the kit has the liquid goods to make you feel good. Starting with the beard shampoo and conditioner. You can't treat your beard like you treat your pubes. That's why the kit has a special shampoo and conditioner especially designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hair, and replenish the, your beard's natural oils and promote beard health, which is this stuff right here. Boom. The uh, Pro Kit also has Manscaped's beard oil. I keep getting lost in here. I think I need, to, I need a teleprompter for this. The nutrient oil, uh, nutrient infused oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath while adding a little shimmer and shine to liven up the look. Big fan of beard oil. Cap it off with the beard balm, a pomade that shapes, styles, and moisturizes, uh, bringing the amazing scent of fresh eucalyptus straight from my homeland. Rosemary and lavender essential oils. Not to mention the Beard Hedger Pro Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. The actual brush is my fave. I always say it looks like a uh, shoe cleaning brush. Uh, feels great on the beard. kind of like itches your skin at the same time or scratches um, in a good way. Save 20% off and get free shipping with the code BAOS at manscaped.com. I can't even talk at manscaped.com. That's BAOS for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Focus on the face and use the Beard Hedge Appropriate for the cleanest look in the game. So it's time for the pod, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, all the way from London, Ontario, we have the legend, Justin from Storm State, and of course, Nate from Nathan Does Beer in the building. Boys, how we doing? Welcome. Thanks for having me on. Welcome. It's a it's a pleasure. 
it's a bit ridiculous. So, uh, you know, these guys who write these ads, man, I love it. It's a good job, I imagine. They're pretty crazy. Well, uh, it's definitely not short on wordplay. Not at all. No, I mean, that's what ChatGPT is all about these days, right? <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like we're at the point now where you can already like tell if ChatGPT sort of done it. I feel like it's uh, actually, but now there's four just released the other day, didn't it? So maybe it's maybe it's uh, elevated. I just feel like it got played out quick. Do you guys notice yeah, that? Maybe, uh, and then uh, Google just released Bard. That's their version of it. Have you tried it? No, I haven't. No, no I didn't. I heard about it. I didn't know it was out. Interesting. So it's going to be a fight of the uh, AI programs at this point. It's fun, but it's also terrifying. Oh, definitely. A little <laughs> bit. Yep. Just a little bit. So, uh, Justin, thanks again for hanging out, man. Um, been hearing a lot about you guys over the last little while. So very excited to uh, get into some brews and hear the whole story. So we've mapped out a fantastic lineup of beers tonight. Uh, tell us what we're starting with. So tonight what we're going to be starting off with, I guess what we consider our uh, house pale ale. This is Sunburst. Uh, we've been brewing this since, I guess, our first year. Um, it is... One of the earlier, hazier style beers in the province. Okay. Back when uh, restaurants didn't understand that a beer should be hazy. Uh, <laughs> it's not a flaw. Yeah. Uh, we overfill our cans, so you'll see that uh, there's quite a bit of that. Yeah, no, the, the, there, was, the, there was a good bit of spray there. I love it. Yeah. Makes it for a good uh, photo op whenever you're uh, uh, opening it. Right. It does, uh, and, and uh, if you're shooting, if you're shooting video too, if you happen to catch like a good, like a good moment of that can crack with a nice little spray there, it's a nice effect. Oh, you learn a lot of tricks with that, you know, like crushing the can slightly with your thumb that's behind the, the can, so people don't see it. Uh, yeah. What do you, you learn the tips and tricks? I like that. I love. It. I'm here for it. So when when did this one first come out? Would you say this was our first brew? We actually had a yeast and we messed up that yeast and so we borrowed some yeast from our good friends at anderson's and so we called it a different name same recipe but because of the yeast it turned out a bit more uh west coasty it was clear mm -hmm. we finally got our yeast in and we've been doing it ever since month two wow uh, so it's just yeah it's had a couple of different changes to it uh change from flaked oats to malted oats back to flaked oats Malted wheat, uh, flaked wheat, um, and then the percentages have been changed up and down, stuff like that. Uh, okay. We changed a couple of the hops in the dry hop, and we've changed a couple of the hops in and uh, timings of them in a boil. But it sounds like we changed the whole thing, except for the thing, the name. <laughs> uh, but I think that we just changed it to make it a better beer. Here for it. Essentially, we make this beer as. It's it's a five and a half percent crusher is uh, what we want this beer to be. It's uh, it sounds glorious. So oh Nate, whenever he's ready, better. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. You ready? We always uh, get excited with the talking and the content creation, and then we wait too long to sip it, and everyone's thirsty. Boys, cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. That is delightful. Exactly as you described. What what are the hops in this current version, man? Uh, uh, we use the cheater hops in it. So Citra, Mosaic, and uh, Simcoe are used in the dry hop. 
and uh, we don't add anything in the boil, but in the whirlpool we add uh, Columbus. Rose. So. Did you call the? Did you call those the cheater hops? Yep. <laughs> because no matter what you throw them into, it's going to taste good. Never, never, never go. That's wrong. a good point. It's a good um, point. Yeah. Got a wicked body, man, for five point five point four, which is fantastic. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah. So I mean, like this beer, we intended this to be like a mainstay, and we always wanted to have it. And it was, you know, thirty percent of sales, thirty percent of sales, and it's just been increasing. It now makes up about sixty-five percent of our sales. Wow. Hmm. Which is. A scary thing in itself, but yeah. I think that uh, pe people love pale ales. London is a big pale ale city. Um, huh. They're not an IPA city. They're not a double IPA city, but we like our pale ales. Here interesting. In Why mm. do you think that's coming from? Because that's a really interesting observation. I think that that's a transition from drinking 50. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. So then uh, I, London just was a big 50 city? Oh, I mean, Labatt's is in town. Ah, excuse my ignorance. Okay. Yeah, so Labatt's is like one of the, like the, oh, the, 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 the main Labatt is here in London. Um, mm. It's one of the big stores of the city. Um, we have a lot of the people that work there come by and have beers in our spot because we're a two-minute drive away or a five-minute walk. Um. Mm. And so I think that this is a good transition point from drinking the lagers, drinking the 50, drinking the Pilsner. Uh, and uh, it's just a very easy drinking beer. Yeah, this is fantastic, dude. It's, um, yeah, it's it's going down crazy. And the body on, for, like, to bring that back up again, just that body is, like, I think even, like, the biggest differentiator. Like, it's it's really tough to get, like, a 5.4. Like, if I drank this blind, I wouldn't have picked 5.4 for sure. As far as I mean, we are looking at about uh, uh, fifty percent of the grains are high protein grains, so wheat, wheat and uh, oats. Hmm. And that's really and so the... that helps. It helps a lot with keeping the body uh, there. Uh, we don't stop attenuation, so we don't halt uh, fermentation because we do want it to be really drinkable. We don't want it to be sickly sweet. Um, I mean that. I like that in some beers. Um, some of the IPAs that are like other half and whatnot, they have that in a lot of their IPAs, and that's a fantastic thing to be drinking. But I want you to drink six of these. I don't want you to drink one and you can't drink anymore. I can absolutely yep. see that uh, with this one. If, yeah, it's light enough. Like it's it's super interesting because the body is crazy, but it's light enough that I I can I can foresee drinking numerous of these without feeling full which is obviously a large side effect of a lot of new england's because of probably those high protein uh um ingredients but it's it's got the nice light citrusy vibe to it is probably the main thing i'm getting here um yeah. so it's really like and like you mentioned as well about the sweetness it's not overly sweet so i guess that's like you said bringing it back to that sort of dryness so that you're able to come back for another sip um this is yeah this is it makes you and because it is so dry, it sorry, I interrupted you there. No, because no, no. it is so dry, it makes you want to have another sip. Uh, one of the next beers we're going to be having, that is a main reason of that beer, is we want you to drink multiple of it. Uh, but this beer here, we want you to share this with friends. We want you to, I want this to be the, the beer of the city. Mm, I love that. I like that. That's actually almost a good podcast name, episode name right there. Beer of the city. Yeah. I love that. Dude, that's awesome. So 
I want to get into the story, even just before we get to the story, I want to almost come back to the London being a pale ale city because that's fascinating to me. I'm from Melbourne, Australia. And what I noticed, I got into beer properly in, in Canada. And mm-hmm. going back, I went, I've only been back three times in like 12 and a half years. And I noticed the beer scene changed significantly every time, like for the better. Like it, I feel like it grew exponentially every trip, which was about a year or so between each one. And one thing I noticed there is the first trip, they were all pale ales and golden ales. Golden ales being a pretty strange one. And then I felt like every trip I was like the next trip, they were kind of like haze was being introduced. So there was a few early, you know, New England IPAs and, you know, pales were maybe slightly getting ramped up or XPAs were the popular thing. Then the year after it changed again, I'm seeing more double IPAs around and a lot more haze and, you know, uh, lactose sours and things like that. Um, so I always, I never heard of another place that it was like, oh, this city or this region is big on this style. So, and I've definitely never heard that about London. So you're saying that because Labatt's in town, people are 50 people. And the reason I didn't know that is that I've lived in Montreal for a decade and 50 was the thing out there, but I never really hear people talk about it out here. It's always out there. Was not aware. I find that if you're out, when you live in London, I'm, so I'm not originally from London. I'm originally from uh, PEI. Okay. Uh, everybody in London talks about 50-50-50. Once you get outside of the city, people don't talk about it. Or they talk about it as if it was the thing back in the day. Hmm. Right. right. Whereas here, people still talk about it as if it's a present thing. Interesting. Is it? You do. Um, I, I think you do hear, uh, like, I, I think you're right from the general public that it's not, uh, they, that people do absolutely generally talk about it as a back in the day kind of thing. The only exception to that, I would say, is that um, brewers talk, like, will talk about 50. If we go back to, uh, like back before, uh, like back before I was the co-host, and uh, uh, like and um, C and Scott used to do the lightning round when they uh, like when they would say like what's your uh, like what's your guilty pleasure beer fifty like would that be accurate to say that fifty was uh, like a really really common answer probably the most common answer yeah so I mean like it it's we still drink it yeah it's delicious. <laughs> It's actually probably one of the best right. macros. Yeah. 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 I think it's it's just got flavor, right? And it does. That's what's missing in a lot of the other ones. So I think it's probably why it appealed to a lot of people where it's sort of still a brand they're familiar with whilst having more flavor than probably what they're, you know, what the other offerings have. Yeah. So how did that, and I'm, I guess I can see it now once you said the more flavor thing, how did that do you think lead to London being a pale ale city? And I'd love to hear other examples of sort of, how you sort of put that together i imagine just other you know breweries i think well so like no matter what pale ale we make it is always our best seller Hmm. if we make an ipa it's going to be four it's going to be five but if we make a pale ale it's going to be number one it's going to be number two doesn't Hmm. matter how many pale ales we have on the board those are always the top sellers so it's just that's our experience that we've seen and i mean if you talk to uh, some of the other brewers, craft brewers in the city, that's what they've been finding as well. They brew IPAs because, and it's the same with us, because we want to get our name known in other locations in Ontario. Mm. So 
that's, I mean, also we like drinking IPAs, so that's kind of a biased point right there. But like also too, is like London is also an interesting town in the sense of, uh, so we brew an Irish red and I can go through a batch of that a month. Wow. So that's uh, 1,500 liters. It's not that big of a batch, um, but 1,500 liters is still 3,500 cans. And I'll go through that a month. But if I were to ship that off to Toronto, like good luck moving that in a year. <laughs> right. Interesting. So London right? seems to have pretty unique tastes in comparison to other regions in the province. Yeah, and I think that that's why London has been known as a test city, just because we are such an interesting microcosm. Hmm. If it works here, it'll work anywhere. So some breweries drop beer specifically in London just to see what's going on? Uh, not necessarily beers, but things. So like hmm. the Tim Hortons Dark Roast, that was first trialed in London. Uh, huh. There was something that McDonald's was doing, and they first trialed that in London. Uh, those organizations, they always do their first test batch and they won't even announce it that's a test batch. It's just, oh, you think this is happening everywhere, but it ends up that it's only happening here in London. No way. Interesting. There's London is a city. There's a city in Australia and there's a city in the US. I forget which ones they are, but uh, Under the Influence, a podcast on CBC had a really good episode on test cities. No shit. That's so fascinating. So they're just like cities where these things get tested first because they know that the, yeah. the the population is interested in new things? No. Uh, that is not necessarily the case. Okay. Um, it's that we are a good test city to see if uh, a city... How could I phrase this? We are a city of half a million people, but we still have a very strong rural route. Okay. I live two minutes from downtown, 15 minutes if I walk. I can drive 10 minutes and I'm in the country. Gotcha. Right. And so the makeup of this city is very unique in that sense and so it's a very good test uh demographic for that right so you get a bit of everyone you get the city folk and then people who you know got went to university there maybe from toronto or from elsewhere some from a big city uh you know i've been to london yeah. a few bunch of times so i know it's you know looks like hamilton downtown there's like you know big buildings and and all that mm -hmm. um but then you've got we have western which is one of the biggest universities in the, the country Wow. Uh, which draws in people internationally and draws in people from Toronto, draws in people from the States, draws, you know what I mean? Gotcha. Uh, we have huge manufacturing. We're close to, uh, we have, we're, we are, we have our, we are our own city. We're also almost a sleeper city because you have Toyota and uh, GM and Ford have factories not that far. Um, you have a, food manufacturing um just it's a very it's an interesting place hmm i feel like this is npr right here i'm learning shit this is awesome <laughs> loving this place oh, and don't believe half what i say i tend to bullshit a lot <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> well i'm gonna believe everything you say because it's more fun that way 
This is awesome. Okay, sick. Um, I, I love hearing that. So that's awesome. I'm I am absolutely smashing this beer. It looks like Nate is too. This is um Oh yeah. This is this is fantastic, man. I can definitely see why this is a uh uh flagship and and why you just you know flying through it and, and getting this out there. I love it, I love it. So let's get into the story, bro, if we if we may. Uh, I'd love to hear how you personally got into craft beer and then how that led to the brewery becoming uh about as it were uh so i mean like get into craft beer um so i studied chemistry whenever i was doing my undergrad and whenever i started my master's uh, and so i was always fascinated by the chemical like how beer is made okay. the biological the chemistry behind everything and so i got into it more for the sense of like how is this made can i make it good can i make it better whenever i started making beer i'll be honest i didn't like beer uh, I did it specifically for how the building blocks made and I would make beer for my friends who brought it to parties. Um, you're a good mate. I like to think so, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> so that's how I did it in, in my undergrad. Whenever I got into my master's, I started working on, all right, so what are the different things that I love about beer? What flavors do I like? And so that's whenever I started experimenting with more interesting flavors like sour beers, uh, hoppy beers, even going back and trying old school styles of beers. Like I love making English bitters. Mm. Um, and I think that those are very interesting because they give you a lot of, uh, they're hard to make good. Yeah. They're very easy to make, but they're hard to make good. Mm. So that's why I liked making those. And then whenever I moved to London, um, I started getting more into the science and the chemistry behind everything. And that's whenever I realized, yeah, you can make good hoppy beers and just throw hops into it and it will hide anything. What you really need to make are Blondales. I didn't have a fridge or anything like that to do lagers at the point. And so it's like, all right, can I make a Blondale with minimal hops with a good base that people would want to drink a keg of this at a party. Right. And that's what really got, like, I think that we brewed Blondale for, we got sick of it because we made too much of it. (laughs) So that's when you started making porters again. That's when you started making IPAs and stuff like that. Uh, So yeah, my, my getting into beer was not necessarily because I like it. It was be- liked it. I, I, I love it now. Uh, it was it was because I wanted to know how it was made and what the different compounds do and the enzymes and all that fun stuff. Hmm. Okay. So that was that. I joined the homebrew club whenever I moved to London. That was almost 11 years ago now. Uh, we had a group of people there that were very tight and we wanted to... I don't say compete, but we always wanted to be like, all right, this is what I did. This is what I'm getting. How can I fix this? This is what I did. This is what I'm getting. How can I fix this? And we were always trying to fix that. Um, good friends. Uh, some of them are now in the beer industry. Some of them were in the beer industry and are trying to get back into it. Some of them, you know, were, uh, it, it, I think that that, that time period really, uh, forced us to experiment on trying to make a good product that we all enjoyed. So that's whenever I did the BJCP exam, because how else can you make good beer 
than to figure out what bad beer is, what those issues are, and can you fix them? Good point. Because if you're not seeing that, then you're just going to be blind and you're just going to make, you're going to keep on making something. Hmm. So, I mean, as we did that, um, one of my uh, home brewing friends, uh, whenever we were doing that, uh, he was considering opening a brewery and he was talking with some other people and we decided to team up and uh, do this together. Nice. So when was that? That's, uh, that was 2015. Okay. We signed the lease and all of the documents in 2016 um, and uh, opened our doors in 2017, December, but had our grand opening in 2018, uh, which is why we say that we're five years old now. Gotcha. Amazing. So like yeah, so early. We, okay. Yes, yeah, so we opened December. Our official opening was December 2nd. 2017 but our grand opening was the second week of january which is why we have a party in the in january it's also the slowest month of the year so it's a way to have a party to get people to come in and drink hell yeah that's smart that's Not awesome man. idea there hell yeah five years okay so you you would have been around at some interesting times you sort of would have started i guess as like haze was sort of really taking uh Hayes was I listening to like bearing brew podcasts. Hayes was still reviled. Like people were adamant that it was a bad brewer at that point in 2018. Yeah, maybe in certain circles, or was that like an industry thing? No, I think that was in certain circles. Um, I think that uh, you have. Bellwoods was making Jutsu in 2017. And so they were showing yep. that you could make that at that point. Yes. Yeah. And I believe uh, Sawdust did Juice in, in uh, about fall of 2016. And Barncat did, I think it was Pulp Nate in, uh, in April 2016. Yeah. Uh, it would have been, uh, been Eminence. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about Juice and that was delicious. Yeah. Juice is a good beer. Yeah. And they, they, they fixed it too. It's even better last I had it. Um, hmm. So it, at the time, I recall, I guess I just sort of like positioning, sort of painting the picture of the landscape for people who may not sort of remember what it was like back then. Because I recall discovering Haze in 2016 and not being able to get it at home, which was mm-hmm. frustrating. You'd have to go to Vermont. I lived in Montreal at the time, so we'd go to Vermont to get stuff. Um, and I just wasn't really seeing it. And Quebec was extra late compared to Ontario. Oh, Quebec? Quebec? I mean, like, uh, I have family who lived in Quebec, so I visit there quite a bit, or used to visit there quite a bit. Um, and I always found it, Quebec was avant-garde, and then they stalled. And then now they've moved forward than us again. That's a fair assessment. That That's a completely yeah. fair assessment. They always were. They were the ones ahead of the game with you know, um, barrel-aged beers, like whether it's stouts or sours and, and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when the haze came in, they resisted the trend so bad. It was hilarious. Like they were just so well, aggressive about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they but came now back. Now they have, they, uh, 
Mesoream and they have uh, Bruski, Sir uh, John, Bar yeah, Canada, Saint uh, Yeah. Uh, BG in uh, Quebec yeah. City, Nanasinko, Ketch, and uh, yeah, man, there's a lot. Quebec, yeah. Quebec's definitely killing it. It's, it's interesting to see the trajectory of both provinces and sort of how it was. So when you mm -hmm. guys opened, I guess I was saying that to sort of ask this question was, when you guys opened, what did you, I guess probably two-part question, what did you expect people to want? Like, I guess, were you aware of the parallel thing? And two, what did you actually open with as far as the styles and such? So I think we opened up with five different beers and uh, we expected our IPA to be the biggest seller. Okay. So we had a Blondel because we weren't doing lagers at that point. We had a Berliner Weiss uh, because we love sours mm -hmm. uh, and that we, we love old school, long aging, those kind of sours, but we knew we didn't have the footprint to be able to do those. So we knew that Berliner Weiss was the way that we'd have to go about doing that. Uh, so that, that, we started off with the PLL, the IPA, and the Porter. And we thought okay. that the IPA was the one that was going to skyrocket and be uh, the beer that people would enjoy the most. And so we were happy that uh, the PLL was uh, the one that people loved because it's a bit cheaper for us to make. <laughs> uh, I love uh, so it. those were the five beers that we started off with. The uh, Berliner Weiss was such a good beer to start off with mm -hmm. because we converted so many people that would walk in the door and say, I don't like beer. And you'd say, Oh, what do you like? Oh, I like white wine. Try this beer. And then they would, we had people that come in and just, that's the only beer they would drink. Huh? Was it fruited or just the OG? At that point up? it was said at that point it was <clears throat> not fruited. Yeah. So it's perfect. Just we like started it. doing, we started doing fruited, uh, fruited lactose beers uh i think that was at our two month mark three month mark okay like it was pretty soon after but we kept the og berliner weiss constantly on tap up until covid huh what changed we always had that available i mean obviously aside from shutting down but what do, do you do you have it on now or is that sort of moved on it's still not back we will be brewing it soon <clears throat> so what's interesting at the berliner weiss uh is <clears throat> people drink a lot of it Mm -hmm. But they will not take it home. Uh -huh. Interesting. It's a, yeah, it's a it's a draft. So the point. like, exactly. Yes. Yeah. So like, uh, I would say that no matter when, like, it was always eighty percent draft, twenty percent cans. Whereas, like, our PLL before COVID, it was sixty uh, percent draft, forty percent take home, hmm. and at that at that point, that was our biggest one. And so. We, the reason we haven't brought back uh, the Berliner Weiss is it because of those numbers, we're not moving enough in the tap room to warrant it taking up that much room in the fridge because we're not gotcha. moving enough through the tap room, through the fridge for it to take up that much room. So we got to figure out, <clears> okay, <throat> what moves? It's PLLs, it's IPAs, and it's loggers. Hmm. We currently have four loggers on the board, five loggers on the board. Wow. Um, loggers make up one, two, four, five on our sales list. Interesting. It's a pretty good segue right there, is it not? Yeah, I would say so. You set us up, yeah. Justin. You're a professional. Oh, yeah, as if I knew what I was doing. <laughs> Next up, ladies and gentlemen, uh, crispy boy time. Excited for this one. 
This is called Cove. Tell us about this little glorious can of joy. So Cove is um, the baby of one of our uh, previous brewers, uh, Nate Medeiros. Um, and it is one of our more annoying beers to make. Sorry, Nate, <laughs> but it's true. Uh, <laughs> it is a uh, it is a, a, a step mash, whereas most of our other beers are single infusion. Uh, so we hit it at a lower temperature, then we bring the temperature up uh, uh, further down the, the line in the in the mash. Um, it's a very simple malt bill. Um, it just uses some old school uh, hop, uh, noble hops. So we have uh, sapphire, pearl, and I believe tetanang. Wow. So the European style hops. Good. We still do it naturally carbonated mm-hmm. like he would want us to do. Uh, so that takes a lot more time. This beer tends to sit around. Uh, so we're at sunburst will be about uh, two to three weeks in the fermenter. Uh, this tank, this uh, beer is often there between, uh, uh, I think the word you averaging around 10 to 12 weeks after fermentation. Oh, wow. That is a long time. This nose is crazy. It's super. Yeah, it is. Would you say herbal is there? It's very herbal, uh, but it's got a nice crisp bitterness. It's very easy on the tongue. It wants you to have a second beer, second drink. It needs you to. Yes. And look at that foam too. Like that, yeah. like that just it, like that comes up so nice. Can we cheers? It's really fun. Hey, cheers, guys. Cheers. Um, cheers, gents. Because this beer is a bit more crisp. Hmm. Nice. A bit more bitter than some of our other lagers. This is a perfect beer to, I don't remember, I don't know if you guys remember it, it's a hard pours, but we hard pour this beer quite a bit. So what we'll, t- what we'll do is we'll take a can and just dump her in. Straight and upside then just down. let it go. And then just start topping it up as, as the foam subsides. And the mouthfeel is completely different. The aromatics are completely different. The bitterness is completely different. Like it's a, you, you, would assume that I handed you two different beers. Interesting. Hmm. I did it mildly on this one because I find that these like sort of mugs are pretty cool for that. Like they don't overflow with the uh, shot no, cans. True. But I, I don't think I went balls to the wall. I should have gone. And it's sort of what does the hard pour do? I guess it just really like moves everything around a lot more. So all of the, uh, not all, but a lot of the gases kind of escape. And so it makes it a bit more dense. Huh. Interesting. Mm. You're 100 percent right. It is quite bitter. I mean, it's sort of like it smells, it trips you out. Like the level of like herbaceousness in the nose is crazy. But then the body is more, I feel like I'm definitely getting grassy bitterness and some like floral notes alongside obviously mm-hmm. the uh the malt. What were the hops again, bro? It was pearl, tetanang. Uh it's uh pearl, sapphire, and tetanang. Sapphire, that's right. Thank you. Um, I, I imagine it's the hops that's delivering that sort of herbal- herbalness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're old school German uh, noble hops. And that's okay. kind of a characteristic of those hops. Interesting. Um, that's what you were going for with this one? Or Nate was going for? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, this is probably the beer I drink the most of at work. Or sorry, I could see after that. work. 
<laughs> That's a good sentence. It's the beer I drink the most of at work. Other, 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 um, uh, what's the word? Other jobs could never. They wish you could say that and not get in trouble. Yeah. Oh, I think that people are getting oh. shit for that. Yeah, right. Fuck. Um, dude, this is wicked, though. Um, so, like, anything else that we're getting? Other tasting notes that uh, you, you um, we're pulling out of this from either of you guys? Definitely I don't think like- I have anything that hasn't been uh, that hasn't been said already. But like, like, like this is this is just fantastic. Like it's this is another one that definitely like begs sip after sip. Like, oh, yeah. this uh, like I, I can tell you right now that uh, this is going to disappear quickly. Um, and, like, and it's got kind of a bit of a like, like a bit of a hit of peppery kind of, like kind of peppery. thing on the end as well. That's what um, it is. which is uh, which is uh, like which is a nice finish that I like that I dig that like that sometimes comes with that uh, like you know with those noble hot profiles. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I'm getting that peppery finish, um, which I guess that you're right definitely comes with some of the noble hops. It's um, it works so well. It's such interesting like tasting notes that just it's like in this style it's just money. Like that, that sort of the the herbal and the floralness that sort of, like this is very unique pills, I would argue. Is it, that's fair? Like it's, I feel like I haven't tasted, I can't remember tasting anything like this. I, I we are going for a real German style pills with this one, uh, whereas we find that, and we enjoy drinking them, but we find that everybody wants to be making Czech style pills these days, right? And. Uh, while we love drinking those beers, um, we didn't want to feel that we were just following everybody else's footsteps. Gotcha. So we wanted to do the other beer that we like to drink as well. Yeah, that's fair. But that's also why pills because we do steal some ideas from uh, Czech style. So instead of just calling it Pilsner or Czech style pills or whatever, it's just P I L S. I like that. It's clean. Um, very classy. Well, I definitely want to get to the artwork at, at uh, tonight. Just talk about all the different uh, artwork. Yeah, that's very... actually it's actually my favorite. La- it's one of my favorite labels. That's why we have it as a, a mural on at the brewery. It's also Sick. got a little goose. Oh, on nice it. little goose. Oh, shasta yeah. the goose. What's up with the goose? Uh, there's a lot of goose in London, and they tend to attack you. Oh, so the Canadian. Very, they... we should be a oh, all right. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I I went to university in Waterloo, and there like and there's the same kind of thing. Like the geese are everywhere there, and they're not scared. They're not scared of humans at all, and they get particularly aggressive when they've got younglings around. <laughs> yes, no, and it, it's it's constant. Are these uh, the cobra chickens, like Canadian yes. geese? Yeah, the very same. <laughs> yeah, they're terrifying. And I know you can't. You get like. Isn't it like a felony or something if you injure one or attack one or something? Am I like it's like completely like it's not even frowned upon. Like it's like no, you're legally in trouble if you harm a geese. I think you're right, but I would have to look that up. I would say I advise everybody to uh, stay away from the geese and please do not harm them for your own good. Uh, I also believe it's something there's some sort of illegal thing about touching the trillium flower, the Ontario trillium flower or something like that, I was told. I'm There's a lot of trillium flowers around here, a lot of trails. So the, Don't touch them either. Don't the touch them. Beer, 
the name of the beer is uh, the Cove. Uh, I think we dropped the Gadot at some point after our first batch. We just put it Cove. The uh, the brewery itself is located in uh, the Cove neighborhood, mm-hmm. and it's kind of this river that uh, isn't a river anymore, uh, but it's a really nice walking trail that you can uh, get to from the brewery. So that's what the uh, label itself is. Uh, it's supposed to represent the, uh, I don't know if my can can show it, but that is uh, the river kind of, if you look at uh, Google Maps, that is the uh, river behind the brewery. Mm, that's cool, man. I love that. And even just as you sort of describe it, um, the, the tactile, the the feeling of the label, that sort of like matte kind of little grainy feel is is fantastic. Like it grips to your hand and you just want to keep touching that bad boy. Yeah, we, we love that, but we've had to stop doing that in our more recent uh, uh, label orders, unfortunately. Uh, oh, I see. Because we were, one of the few, we were one of the few people doing it, so they raised our prices so much that we would have had to raise prices for our beer. Damn. Yeah. Goddamn. Goddamn it, label people. I understand. It's a tough time to be in business, so I guess you can always switch back at some point down the track if things level out. It's not that serious. Exactly. Um, that's it's, cool, man. It's just make, it's an extra fun feature uh and i don't know about the cans you guys have but uh we usually have it's almost like sandpaper and it's a weird thing to say that that is a great thing to grip onto whenever you're drinking your beer oh yeah i imagine particularly you know this is a summer crush of for sure as you were so saying earlier and i imagine you know if you're sitting outside palms get a little sweaty beer ain't going nowhere Exactly, and and too when the condensation starts to like starts to come on the can as well, like, like, you know you've still like, like you've still got the grip here, whereas like whereas some of the uh, flatter uh, like like flatter paper stickers are a bit more slick once they get some condensation on them. Yeah, it's all about the grip. Uh-huh. Exactly, this is fire, bro. I'm loving it. So okay, so you open in 2018. You got the five beers on tap. Um, how did the? I mean, imagine the reception. Actually, no back a little bit were you how many breweries were in london labat aside how many craft breweries were in london at the time that you opened in uh the official launch in january 2018 uh so there's fork river they were they're like we're not counting see we're not we're not counting seeps um but there was fork river uh anderson's had opened up the year before us um uh, london brewing co-op uh they have since rebranded as London Brewing. Uh, they opened between Fork River and Anderson's. Okay. But they were still at their one barrel system at that point, uh, okay. whatever we opened. So before we opened, there was uh, three craft breweries. Damn. So you were really early on. Yeah. So now there's 12. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The scene uh, is wait. booming there. Uh, I think I'm including Labatt's with that. So no. Even eleven's crazy though. If you were saying yeah. there were like three others well, before you, yeah, yeah, you have a lot that have opened up since. Uh, but I mean, like if you look at it, like population-wise, we should be able to supply a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a city of half a million people, with we'll say ten. That's a nice round number. Uh, craft breweries. That's a lot. Not a lot. Of, that's a lot of people. That is a lot of people per brewery. So if you look at, say, Fredericton in New Brunswick, there's 16 breweries there for 60,000 people. Damn. 
right? Prince Edward Island has 12 for 120,000 people, or maybe they're at 140,000 people now, right? That's crazy. Halifax, uh, I forget the total right now, but Halifax has uh, some fantastic races as well, and uh, they're still smaller than London. Right, so technically, yep. even Hamilton, I think we've got like six here, and there's like 600,000 people. So it's even less. Mm-hmm. But Hamilton, thinking- you guys are, you guys are close to you know the rest of the GTA, and that's what is like probably holding it back from in exploding. Ontario. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a fair point. I think Nate, we uh, were talking with Fairweather about that, and I think they were even saying they don't think it could necessarily hold more. But I was just trying to align with the um, the numbers there because I still I thought they could definitely do with more you know if you look at like maybe not this i'm not sure about london but i imagine you know i know hamilton is definitely cheaper than the rest of the gta you know if someone's looking to open a brewery it would make sense and there's less competition here where if you almost go anywhere else is going to be more breweries and there's still a very solid amount of um people here plus as just the proximity means there's a whole lot of other people within a reasonable driving distance to get down here whether it's burlington on one side or um, and I think that that's why Cambridge is such a great location for a brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, Cambridge has, uh, what, six or eight breweries now? Okay. Yep. And it's because the real estate is so much cheaper than KW. Yeah. But it's close uh, enough so it's that it's e- It's close to get enough to. that you can draw those people in. And it's also close enough that if you live in Toronto, you could easily get there if you have access to a vehicle. Yeah. And that's yep. the problem that London faces is that we are on like two a good hours. day, two hours from Toronto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're only an hour and a bit from Hamilton. But yeah, which is great. From Toronto. from Toronto is a bit a bit different. So because I always felt like London was like hella fun. I never went there. I, I do music, so I performed there a few times. So we'd always go out there, but it always felt like this massive endeavor to to get out yep. there from toronto so now here definitely a lot closer so what you're saying is essentially because of london's like lack of proximity to other major you know uh centers in ontario it's sort of like the 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 actual population does like it actually matters as far as like supporting those breweries just like all the examples in the east coast so exactly do you see is london is close to everything like we're two hours from Windsor, Detroit, you know, we're, we're hour and a half hour from Sarnia. Uh, we're an hour and a bit from Hamilton. We're an hour from KW We're two hours from Toronto. We're, what is it? Two and a half, three hours to Collingwood. Okay. Probably closer to more than that. Um, so we're a really interesting city. Like we can get to Buffalo really easily. We can get to Detroit very easily. But Ooh. it also means that we're very, it's very easy for us to get elsewhere. Right. So do you foresee London getting to the point where it can sustain as many breweries as Frederick? I used to think that we could, but I do not believe so anymore. Any, any uh, reasoning there? I think that people just really like going and checking out places outside of the city. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like uh, our busiest time. So coming from Prince Edward Island, the busiest time of the year is obviously summer. Um, that's your main time you want to focus. That's when you have people hired. That's whenever you want to 
operate at 100%, 120%. That's, that's the time. That's go, go, go. The gotcha. fall, the winter. And here, our busiest time is March and April. Why is that? Oh, shit. Because those are when patio season starts. That's when people are between exams. That's whenever uh, people are not ready yet to go to the cottage, to go to the beach, to go camping, but they still want to do something. Mm, interesting. So therefore you're saying that it's it's like, as far as the London demo, more people leave the city during the summer than tourists come in. The city is, uh, it's a ghost town in the summertime. Jesus. They come, hmm. come July, August, uh, everybody is camping. Everybody is at the cottage. Um, and I think that in, London is an interesting demographic too, because you have to have a vehicle to get around. The right. LTC, the uh, the bus service here is not great. Having lived in Montreal, having lived in other cities that have a bus transit system, uh, I mean Montreal has a subway as well. Um, it's so easy to get around with uh, the metro, with the bus. That's true. Here, if I want to go and visit a friend, I have to take three tran- three transfers. And they only live, you know, 10 minutes away. Right. I, I think it's the river that goes through the city that kind of messes everything up. And then it's like, oh, that's how it is. And so there's no reason to improve it. Okay. Uh, Do you have Uber so out be- there? And so because of that, everybody has a car. Gotcha. Right. And everybody has access to the beach in summer. And if you can, people have access to cottages very easily. Or they can go to Toronto, Buffalo, Detroit on weekends. Hmm. Interesting. So because everyone has a car, they're more likely to leave as opposed to other cities that maybe have Uber. Like, do you have Uber in London? Excuse my ignorance. They do? Okay. Because I know there was a period of time where like a lot of places didn't have uber i think like winnipeg still doesn't have uber type shit um i think i think winnipeg do now they might do now last time i was there they did not have it i heard vancouver i don't know if they still don't but as of a couple of years ago they didn't have it yeah um point being so i know i know it hadn't like because it was like a city level that had to approve it because there was obviously there was uh, dramas in um uh in in quebec in montreal specifically when i was there a lot of stuff. and we never got lift out there because I was always pissed that at least in Toronto you could choose and see which one was cheaper or faster or whatever it might be. Yep. Whereas um yeah, out here. So okay. So because everyone has a car, it just gives them that like freedom to be like, well, we could check out this brewery that's 10, 15 minutes down the road, or we could make it a thing and go to Detroit to Windsor or whatever. And I mean, there's also fantastic breweries uh within can within Ontario to visit. Willibald yep. is uh, 45 minutes away. Flux is 45 minutes away. Okay. Charlottesville is just over an hour away. Uh, Muse is same distance. Uh, that's not even talking about getting into the GTA. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. So there's a lot of, I guess, just like like location-based challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a, a lot of things that people don't think about too. And so yeah. it's, it's things that we've learned over the past five years. It's like, all right, we got to market something, but how do we market market something to make it exciting for our demographic? Hmm. Right. So to pull it back to that first year again, 
the how was the response from that community that only had three four other breweries at the time uh you know back in january 2018 our response was fantastic people loved it they i i would say i mean we're standing on shoulders of giants um, right anderson's and fork river have done so much to help us with our customer base with explaining what things are so for people to be like all right so this isn't 50 anymore this is a barrel aged beer this is an ipa this is i mean we drink so much anderson's ipa before we opened and we still do drink a lot of anderson's ipa and i think that's a those really good beers, ipa <laughs> it's fantastic but what was interesting was their ipa is not hazy fork trivers ipas at that point were not hazy Right, uh, and so us coming in and brewing a hazy pale ale really threw people for a loop. Hmm. I mean, it still does. I had I had a bar email me this morning and said, uh, "Hey, this beer is hazy." Say, like, well, yeah, it's supposed to be, <laughs> and they didn't know in twenty twenty three. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's part of our education that we need to keep on working on, okay. um, but. That's uh, yeah. That's still that's still a thing in 2023. That Damn. haze is not something to be feared. <laughs> I I would not have expected uh, that response. I, like I just kind of felt at this point, it's a bit of a given that like everybody would know what's up with haze, and it just is what it is because it's been so long. It's like what's that? It's like seven years. It could have even been 2015. Um, I think I think it became a bit. I mean, like if you look at Hey Topper. I mean, that was that was early even than that. So if say you go post Vermont IPAs, so Sipper Sunshine and Hetty. So when I don't even know who it was, it was probably Treehouse or Trillium or something like that that kind of took it to that next level. So that must have been 2014, 2015, perhaps. Treehouse was 2013 or 2014 because I think they opened around the same time as I think, or were they before them? I always forget the history. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. When did Bellwoods open? Were they 2012? 2012. April 2012, because I lived up the road at the time. Yeah. Because I remember reading their blog before they opened. Okay. Because I was still living in Newfoundland at that point. They didn't do Haze in 2012 at all. Witch Shark was straight, multi and clear. But uh, but Treehouse opened, I believe, right before Bellwoods did. Okay. Imagine the uproar. If Treehouse tried to open up in Ontario back right. in 2012, doing the same type of beers they do today. Oh man! Well, I mean, that's what they were doing back then. Jeez. Okay, so they were so far. They they must be the uh, what do you want to call it? Like the, the the Godfathers of this shit. Aside from you know Hedy and, and Law, uh, sorry Alchemist and Lawson's, like they must have been the ones doing it first. I think that they were once advertising that they were doing it compared mm. to the other places. Who were doing it but went yapping about it. Huh. Exactly. I mean, that's what uh, one of the reasons that Hetty Topper, I believe, I read this somewhere, but I forget where, Hetty Topper said drink from the can yep. was because people yep. were freaked out by how hazy it was. That's smart. Yeah. Like, that's actually genius. Okay. Right. I mean, like everybody assumes that Hetty Topper says drink from the can is because they're implying drink it fresh. 
which is true. But it was to also not scare people away when they put it in a glass. I get that's completely fair because I guess it would have been considered opaque. I wouldn't I wouldn't call Hetty hazy as such. Maybe now I know I haven't had it for a while. But I guess I guess I, my views and yours were different because I would say it's hazy, whereas treehouse be opaque. Interesting. I guess sense? I was more. I guess I haven't. I'd have to probably look at a heady. I haven't seen a heady for for a hot minute. It heady. You can you can see uh, you can see shadow. Yeah. Through it. Oh, so opaque like, is thicker than hazy to you is what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I use it the other way. I use it probably wrong then. I say opaque if it's like a little bit hazy. And if I say hazy, I mean, that's like murk. Okay. So yeah, we're using the opposite. <laughs> yeah. That's I'm probably, right. I think actually now you're saying it, I'm using it incorrectly. Um, point being though, which is fascinating to me that if Treehouse opened before Bell was, that means they were doing a new England style IPA in the map 2011. Uh, but it was probably a local only thing for quite some time. And I was into beer. At yeah. They started then. off on a one barrel system, moved up to a five, then a seven, then 15 before they got this 50 barrel brew house that, yeah. So, I mean, they were only servicing their local population and mm. people that were willing to camp out for days on end. Gotcha. Yep. I, d- I just never crossed my, um, like, I remember getting, I got a, I don't remember who gave it to me because I never went there, but somebody got us a, uh, a uh, flip top growler from Treehouse. Sick. Oh shit! But I didn't know who they were at the point. And how was it? So like, I threw away the tag and everything. Oh, man. Probably was some at this point. <laughs> God damn! So it's then, funny. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, please, please, please. I'm just yapping. No, I was gonna say it's a um, it, yeah, it's. Uh, like it's funny you mentioned the uh like kind of the account education thing um and that may be seeming a bit surprising uh, like in 2023 but you're uh, like but you're also not the first ones who have mentioned that in the last uh like in the last couple of years uh, like that's come up a couple of times i remember when we were talking to fine balance and daft uh, about a year, like about a year and a half ago, they were both saying that 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 was a common thing in the Kingston market. Um, th- th- that there was still some uh, account education that, that uh, like to go on when you know when people are, like are coming up with some things uh, that, like that are hazy and that uh, yeah and, and that's striking some accounts a little bit. And I remember Gavin was talking about that as well in the like in the London scene when we were chatting with him back like back in November. So it does seem to be that there are still some pockets who. Uh, um, you know, who need to be uh, told not to be scared off by it. Mm. And it's, it's one of those things. I think that a lot of places they're used to pouring 50. They're used to pouring mm. like, just clear beer all the time. Right. Uh, and like the, the hoppier thing that they'll brew that they'll pour, sorry, is probably like, what's it called? Honker's ale. Goose uh, oh Goose yeah. Island? Yeah. Well, it's brewed in London, right? Okay. Oh, Labatt. Yeah. 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 So like that's the hobbyist thing and it's still clear. Right. Yep. So then the types of accounts, maybe that's the differentiator. The types you're talking are kind of bars that are not necessarily considered a craft beer bar, but just maybe a bar that has a bunch of stuff on there and want to support local, but mm-hmm. aren't ex- exactly beer educated enough to know about New England IPAs, which still strikes me as strange if you're selling beer in 2023, but 
So we don't have a lot of craft beer bars in London. Right. Mm. Right. I mean, uh, we have uh, Mielosha's downtown. We have, uh, and then we have, and then after that, we have restaurants that like craft beer and they will have some taps on. But okay. everybody else that we work with are not necessarily looking for a craft beer. They're looking for something that's local. Right. And if that logo happens to be craft, do they become pickier or, or maybe a little skeptical about something that's unfamiliar? Yes. Okay. Yes. So it's still breaking that. That's what, that's part of the challenge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And you also have a lot of their, their clientele who, you know, show up at 11 o'clock, stay there all day. They'll, eventually try something that is not uh bud light right and be surprised whenever it's not crystal clear Mm. okay do they does and then send it back (laughs) 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 what about say cove or any of your other like lagers does do they contribute to conversion to craft for some of these types of uh locals our biggest conversion beer is probably our Irish Red. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's very easy to, to. Cove is a delicious beer, and that's why we're drinking it right now. But yeah. whenever people come in and they've only been drinking uh, macro style beers, they come in and they want to try something, and they're either going to try our pale ale or they're going to try an Irish Red because. It's smooth. It's easy to drink. It's malty, so it's completely different than what they're usually used to, and it's got a cool color. Right, right. but they having a don't. Name. They don't want to try uh, the pilsner because it's too bitter. Okay. Um, too much flavor. I get it. Yes. Oh, we, that's actually why we stopped making a Blondale. Because mm. we Blondale, had... Blondale because too much flavor. <laughs> That was the complaint that we had time and time too again. Much flavor. I don't like this. I don't like this. It's got too much flavor. That's a good episode name. potentially. That's funny. That's funny. I have to imagine that the, uh, the, like that the Irish red probably uh, like probably converts a lot of uh, the, like a lot of the folks who are comfortable with, uh, with like a Rickards red or uh, like, or something like that mm. too. Well, I mean like that beer was designed to be, it, I love Smittix and I love Rickard's Red. And mm. so that beer was designed. So it's not sickly sweet. And that's, I find, yep. the biggest issue with a lot of red ales is that they're too sweet and you can't drink more than a half. Hmm. Right? Um, it wasn't in our lineup, but if you guys want to try it, um, it's it's got some sweetness to it. It's got maltiness. It's got, like, it's got toast notes, not roast. And so it's not like overly powered, weird flavors that people aren't used to. And so it's a very easy thing to kind of convince people, all right, you're used to fizzy water. Let's try some fizzy water with malt notes. (laughs) And if you really don't like that, then we have uh, what we call Keats. 
and that is our just easy drinking lager. Um, right. That beer was uh, designed to be, funnily enough, it is our blonde ale, but we use the lager yeast. And it no longer has too much flavor. <laughs> no wow. shit. This is so, so funny, uh, man. That yeah, is hilarious. That's, yeah. That's, you know, the, the official reason we call that beer is because we like the author Keats. But the real reason is to make fun of my father, who has a uh, difficulty with THs. <laughs> Savage. Oh, no. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's, it's my father father's one of the best people around and so every time you go home you always be like hey do you want a keats and he uses the term the same way that you would use kleenex or in gotcha. quebec they use the term kodak instead of a camera so keats is a generic beer. term for beer That's because he would have he would say do you want a keats but then he'd pass me a gahan which is a local right. craft brew mpei that's hilarious. okay that's some good fun facts um, which one do we want to do then? Do we want to do the Irish red or do we want to move on to the, uh, what are we feeling boys? So the Irish red is probably one of my favorite beers we make and that's why I push it so much, but I think that we should go for the IPA. I want you guys to try that. Okay. No problem. Let's do it. Another gorgeous can. I'm loving the consistency of this. Like it reminds me of all the art is like very, I don't know what it's called, but like that seventies, like what's it called pop art or some shit like like i don't know like real like cool some of the pastel colors and just these like hmm. like nice straight lines with some like cool curves it just reminds me of like I, different art my parents had as a kid so the art on this can art on all of our cans are designed by uh we have an in-house designer uh paul harrison um and he has done some fantastic work. I hopefully don't press anything to mute myself. I just spilled some beer on my keyboard. Uh, we'll be in there. So Paul has been doing some fantastic work with all of our labels. Uh, we did a rebrand back in 2020. Um, we had a very simple can design that was two colors. Uh, it was black and then a different color. Uh, with the label on, with uh, the, the logo on it, and we would change the color depending on what beer it was. But we ran quickly ran into the issue of, well, you can't have more than two green beers. You can't have more than two blue beers in the fridge. And so it took us a while, but we've been working on some really fun and awesome labels I've been finding uh, since then. They just really stand out. When I was just seeing, looking at all of them side by side uh, earlier, I was just like, wow, these are like really cool. And now we're like sort of staring at them as we're drinking them, as we're talking through the the beers. It's almost like I just feel like, almost feel like the the labels are matching the tasting notes or something. Like it's, it's tripping me out. Mm-hmm. Well, usually they, like the way that Paul works, I mean, like I can't read inside of his head. Uh, but we'll give them some ideas of to uh, it's like, all right, this beer is going to be an IPA. We're going to use these hops and we're probably going to get these tasting notes from it. Okay. And then he comes back with a, a design. That's dope. I love Usually that. the best way to let the artist do their thing. Um, exactly. This in motion, is this a series at all? Or is nope. this like a, this so, is one. Okay, cool. It's a one off. 
so this beer here was actually in uh, in support of Anova, which is a women's shelter. Um, so we released this beer for International Women's Day. So we had okay. all of the the women on staff uh, brew this beer together, um, and uh, I mean everybody seemed to have a really fun time. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. I was out doing deliveries, so I couldn't uh, hang it with them during the day. Um, it was uh, Diana, Courtney, and uh, Madison who uh, came up with uh, the grain bill, which hops they wanted to use, um, and uh, it was a fun day for them to do that. Yeah. Hell yeah! Nice. Well, they, shall we get? And this is this? and this is uh, Cryopop and the uh, like and the Pink Boots blend. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we really like the the Cryopop. Um, it's it's delicious. Hell it's yeah. become one of our top. It, we've this is only the second beer that we've personally used it in, but we just keep on trying to figure out how can we use it again. Okay, I love it. it smells great. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Glorious. So yeah, compared to Sunburst, mm -hmm. it's a lot more bitter. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But this is. Uh, it's given the tank time so that we don't have. I'm not a personally not a big fan of hop burn. I know a lot of people are. People love that, but I, I am it. not. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, you got everybody has their own tastes, and like we have brewed plenty of beers with hop burn in it, and that was intentional. We've also brewed beers with hop burn in it that was not intentional. Yeah. <laughs> this beer was given that the happens. time to uh, to uh, kind of settle that away, so we didn't have that. We just wanted it to be. It's only six percent. Uh, because we wanted people to drink multiple of these. Mm. I yeah, think that's is... one of the things about us is we used to try, whenever we first opened, we were like, all right, all of our beer is going to be under 6%. And then as we went, we're like, all right, we need to throw some double IPAs in there. All right, we need to throw some Imperial Stouts in there. All right, we need to brew a barley wine. We need to do some big 11% beers. And we did a lot of those. But... Our original idea of becoming a hype brewery, you can't manufacture that. We realized that pretty quickly. And so it's like, well, what are we? Well, we're a local pub. We're a local place for people to hang out. We're a community center. And we don't want people driving. We want people drinking a lot, enjoying their beers, and walking home afterwards. And so that's why we focused a lot of our beers around it, around that. So that's why we have a lager. That's why we have a pill. That's why we have a red. Like a lot of places won't brew a red. I'm bringing it up again just because I really like it. That's why we brew a red is because it gives people diversity in what they can consume. Yeah. And then moving on to the IPAs, we used to only have one, then two, then three, then many. And then we've decided to pair that back and be like, all right, we have one now. We have two now. We have one now. We have three now. But we're trying to keep that as a more of a smaller subset of what we have because like we're saying, that's not the top beer that people are consuming at our place. Right. I personally believe that we make fantastic IPAs and I think that they can go against 
some of the other best IPAs in the, in the province. I could be biased, but what London is consuming is not necessarily IPAs. Right. But whenever we brew them, we want them to be as delicious as they can be. And I think that this showcases that. This is great, man. I like it. I know what you mean. It's very different to, uh, I like that it's very different to Sunburst too. It's still nice and creamy. I feel like there's a bit of dankness to it. Stone mm-hmm. fruit, citrus, like apricot kind of thing happening. Um, yeah, I think that's coming from the, uh, those like the dank notes that's coming from the pink boots. Blend. Yeah. Mm. Which is probably like, I think it's like five or six different hops they do every year. Yes. Yeah. Which is very cool. Yeah, man. This is great. This is cool because I'm starting to get a, a picture. This is like, you know, now I've seen the pale and IPA and a pills like, this is all super different, really interesting, really crush. I, you know, we're just smashing these down tonight. Um, this is great, dude. I like this one uh, a lot. Did as far as the LCBO, by the way, we got some burst in there. But was that? Are there any other beers that are in the LCBO at all? So we had the Irish Red um, mm-hmm. as a seasonal. Uh, so it's there for St. Patrick's Day, uh, which was a great time for an Irish Red to be in the LCBO. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and uh, uh, I think that so what's interesting with the LCBO I'm sorry if you're from the LCBO and you're listening to this <laughs> is we are in London and we're producing for the London crowd but the LCBO head office is in Toronto right? and they're looking at what is being consumed in Toronto so going back to I think the reason I bring it back to red ale all the time is because it's very easy to use that as an example. That will not sell in Toronto. I don't, it is in the LCBO and I don't try to sell it to Toronto. That beer is focused in London and in the surrounding areas because I know it will sell there. Hmm. And you put that forward to head office and, oh, that will not sell in Toronto. It's like, but. I'm not trying to sell to Toronto. Right. I'm trying to get it into the hands of people in London. And they sort of struggle with that because they, they think it has to sell everywhere. Yes. Okay. That's interesting that they don't understand that, uh, in a craft beer world. As an outsider, like- that's been my view at least. Hmm. Mm. I don't know enough about it to to have an opinion, but uh, based being that it's a government bureaucratic organization, I would imagine that uh, that is absolutely how it's going down. I guess because they all seem every time I go to LCBOs, and now I'm in Ontario full time, it's I've been going to a lot more. I find that everything is kind of unique to the areas. I know Nate, you could probably even like align with it a bit more, being that you've been in Ontario the whole time, but like. I always find wherever I go, I'm like, oh, if I go to the one on Bank Street in Ottawa, I'm like, I'm seeing a lot of local beers out there. And I go to the ones here and I'm seeing like Collective and Clifford and all that type of stuff. So it's like wherever you are, I do find that the LCBO seem to have a solid representation of that local and surrounding crowd. Um, And I imagine that the actual skews are probably catered in the way that what you're talking about, Justin, with regard to, you know, like if a particular area is into red ales, then you pop that bad boy in there. 
so on and so and forth. And I think that's that's a, that's a very good point too. Is like, I think that every LCBO has to be treated differently. So we sell to one LCBO in particular, well, every LCBO in London, and some of them will take you know one case every two weeks. Some case will take one case a month, but then we have one that takes five cases of one beer, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, it's, it's sold by the individual unit mm-hmm. every week. Right. Right. And it's like, okay, so like now you have to think about it. It's like, why is that location that much better than those other locations? I have a theory on that and you could probably back it up and I, pretty i'm like 90 percent sure it's all to do with the beer buyer or the person who's in charge of the beer program at that particular lcbo i know the that's dude, a very big portion of it but it's also okay. who's buying there in that location in particular students right okay so they're students and not like, but not that come down students, to yeah not undergrad students but graduate students so they have a different budget or a different taste profile or both 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 would the beer buyer be the one to have to be the one inherently in that job they should know that and therefore be able to cater to them should be <laughs> whether they're doing their job properly or not i don't know it depends. Uh, yeah i know one dude i used to trade with him he's the beer manager at the one on queen in um coxwell in uh east end of toronto we have uh, beer there okay fantastic store because he is a legend Brandon's his name. Shouts to Brandon. So I used to, um, he's friends with my brother. I met him through my brother and he, uh, my brother works at Aveling in Toronto. So I would always bring stuff from Montreal and he'd hook up back. This is, I haven't seen him for a bit, but he um, used to get me the milk shark from Bellwoods and stuff back when that was like a, a big deal and harder to get for mm-hmm. me. So he, I've been to that store a few times and that was probably aside from the AAA stores, I think it's Queen Key and Summerhill or whatever. Um, got the that sp- specific store has the best and most nuanced beer uh library within the store that i've seen in an lcbo and i believe it's 100 because of him and because his decisions he's a beer guy a beer nerd he's personally trading with people he's traveling for beer almost every time i check into a beer on untapped he's already checked into it like I, 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 from what I can tell, I'm, I haven't spoken to him for a bit to ask him, but from what I could understand, it's, it all comes down to his personal knowledge and taste. And he's like, well, Storm State makes this killer red ale or this, this, this stuff, the sunburst that needs to be in here because we need to balance out our parallel portfolio and they make a fantastic one and we want to represent the whole uh, province so on and so forth so it's like if some stores don't have a beer that unless so maybe the person who's handling beer happens to handle wine or something and they don't know anything about beer I, i'm theorizing they're just like i don't know, know fuck I, it. i'm you know? completely agreeing with everything you just said uh, i'm cutting you off again i'm sorry no no but, i'm uh, good i finished brother it's because you do talk to some of the beer ambassadors and they absolutely have craft beer and you can really tell in those stores i think i'm thinking of two stores in particular in london they have a fantastic breadth of great craft beer in those stores. Dope. And they're not always the best locations, but people seek yep. those locations because mm. that changes the whole conversation. Yes. And then I have another store uh, that will not be named that <laughs> should be our biggest mover, but because the beer ambassador there does not like beer, 
Ah. The worst in the city. Hmm. Hmm. So it's all about who is in charge of that department or departments. That's crazy. Like it, it just shouldn't be like the importance. And I think this is like in context of the recent history in the last three years, I think the importance of the LCBO of supporting craft breweries has increased before and you got you both you guys could probably speak to this because i was only coming to ontario intermittently um you know like i'm seeing breweries that would never ever ever be an lcbo say bellwoods for example blood brothers fucking burdock like those type of cats are in every lcbo almost now whereas previously you could never you had to go to the brewery and go get their thing so i feel like once everything sort of hit the fan and then people realized that maybe they couldn't get out to the brewery like they used to. So their only uh, way avenue of accessing that beer would be going to the LCBO. They, they ultimately became more important to. I think there's a couple different things that led to that. Okay. Um, I think that. I think that competition is one. Good so one. yeah, some breweries that used to be, that opened up in 2014, 2015, and they were the only thing in town. Okay. I mean, back in those days, what was there? There was what, 20 breweries in Toronto? About that, I would say. Right? Well, now there's 80, 90. And so if you can't move all of your product through your door that you need to move, you need to find an avenue for it. Mm. So that was a big one, was competition. And so, a lot of breweries, a lot of places said, we're never going to be in the LCBO. We're never going to be in a beer store. Yes. Never say never. Justin Bieber. So, <laughs> Best so I think that, that that's one thing is that you're now, you're now competing. Also too, as, as uh, so that was, so that was a big thing. Always going back to it. I think COVID is a big factor. People for the first a number of months were terrified of leaving their neighborhood, their city, their region. Mm-hmm. Well, if I can't get to Blood Brothers in Toronto, if I can't get to Bellwoods in Toronto, if I can't get to Burdock, how am I going to get their beer? And it wasn't for a couple of months before online shopping became a thing. Mm-hmm. And so people started applying and getting things into the LCBOs. Right. Yep. Because that was an avenue to get beer moving and into people's hands. That's, I think those are the two biggest things was competition and getting product in the hands of people. I I can certainly, yeah, I can certainly see that being a thing. The LCBO is uh, like is really such a weird landscape. Like, I mean, Mm. as like as you both already said, like the the attitudes and experience of the beer ambassadors at the individual stores seem to make such a huge difference. And like, and in that way you can wind up with like some, like with some really weird outliers, both good and bad. Um, And like, I'm thinking of like some things that you don't expect to find in like in certain stores, I'm thinking back maybe uh, like maybe three, four years uh, the, like this, we're, like we're talking pre-COVID, like probably something like 2019 or something like that. Is there's one store in Ottawa um, that I random, uh, like that I randomly discovered that like 
they always had three or four selections of Anderson there. And you didn't see that anywhere else in the city. And I later learned that it, like, it was a case of um, like there's one Anderson sales rep in Ottawa and he would just like, and he would just like personally go around to the LCBOs in Ottawa and like, and just say like, you know, here's like, here's some product. If you like, if you're interested in this one store, evidently, like evidently he was able to convince them because it was the one store in the city that you could always be guaranteed to see three or four different selections of those Anderson six packs, uh, like sitting in those stores there. So if you've got a motivated sales rep and a beer ambassador at the LCBO who's the, the, like who's receptive to craft even stuff that's not uh, like even stuff that's not local, you can wind up with some really unexpected, in a good way, um, uh, like finds it uh, like in those stores. It's such a it's such a strange economy in that way. Hmm. No, definitely. Um... That's interesting. I, I think that there's such that. a human touch yeah. to that. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, Does the LCBA require that somebody uh, personally goes and sells the beer? Is that still the thing? I know there's like two ways. One is just from some sort of sheet, and then two is it, it's like a you know, store-by-store store man, you know, feet-on-the-ground type of... Uh, Approach. So, no, but yes. Okay. Uh, so, no, in a sense that you don't need to do that. But yes, in a sense that if you go in and do a tasting with the LCBO, then the staff will understand what the beer is and what the flavors are. And then they, they will remember you, you and right. they might encourage it to the next patron. I've had staff specifically try to sell me specific beer. So, I imagine it probably is due to things like that i guess all of this is really saying how important the lcbo is i feel like i don't want to talk down on its importance prior to all these last few years but it's almost like it's become more important now like you were saying with it's the avenue through which breweries are able to move you know the volume that they need to move if it's not going through the doors so i used to be of the mind that we should get rid of the LCBOs and we should only sell at corner stores, Mm. similar to Montreal, Quebec. Yeah. And what I've realized lately, or this could be wrong and I might be thinking about this wrong and I'm sure your commenters will blast me for this thought process, (laughs) but if we open the floodgates to 7-Elevens, to Kushtal and to all of those, they don't have the requirement to sell craft. They have a requirement to put money in their shareholders' pockets. And what makes money? Well, 30 racks 50. of Bud Light. Yeah. Yep. I can speak right. to that. Every gas station in Quebec does not sell craft, almost nothing yeah. at all. And that's. And whereas like I can, it's difficult for me to get my beer into the behemoth of the LCBO. But once my beer is there, all it takes for me to do is convince them to take it on their shelf. So then it's just, then it becomes a, you know, 
physically getting people in there, whether it's yourself or your team to go and yeah. do those tastings. And it is worth doing those tastings. If the result is what you were talking about just before it's uh it's an interesting it's, one. I mean, I mean, like it's worthwhile too. I mean, like you make almost, I think that we did the math on it and every can sold, we make 15 cents. So, okay. I've heard this before. That's fucking insane. First of all, Second, it feels like LCBO, correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like LCBO is essentially a marketing cost. Whilst it's like technically a profit, it's so marginal that it's whatever, but it's putting the, if I'm perusing those, almost every LCBO has those walk-in fridges now. So I always go in, my mm-hmm. girlfriend's going to buy wine. I'm like, well, I probably won't buy anything, but I'm going to take a look. I'm always curious. I very rarely buy something because it's always old as fuck and it drives me crazy. I don't want to see, I know I've, I see it. I'm like, ah, oh, this brewery would be devastated to see this can from August and it's March type of thing. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking in there and if I see a beer and if I'm not as like, you know, I'm, I'm very picky with things like that. Well, I'm probably an outlier, but like, you know, the average person might come in and be like, oh, this looks interesting. Cool. And then all of a sudden they're introduced to your brand. And if that, and you make 15 cents to get them introduced to your brand, as opposed to making, I imagine, substantially more if it's sold across the counter in the uh, brewery, it's essentially a marketing cost to be able to get new consumers who wouldn't physically go to the brewery uh, aware of you and whether they would purchase either directly from or online or whatever it might be. Is that an accurate thought? It's not as much as it used to be. That's so. True. The, so I'm not disagreeing with any, with what you said, but like whenever it was 2018, 2019, whenever people had easier access to businesses because, uh, because COVID wasn't a thing at that point, if you put a beer in the LCBO, you would guarantee your in-house tap room to double, if not triple. Wow. So what right? changed? That's tap room in addition to your sales from your bottle shop. Because like, all right, so I've got Sunburst, my pale ale in the, in the, in the LCBO. What else do they have? What else do they make? Well, I have 16 beers on tap. Yeah. Right? That's dope. And so you coming into my tap room, you have a plethora of options. And then in my fridge, I've got 12 beers available to go. Right. And you're able to take individual cans, or if you really like it, you take a six pack or a four pack, or if you really want to, you can buy a case. And that's what it was before COVID. Because of COVID, what we've noticed is people are still nervous about going out and they're doing their Mm. shopping at the LCBO and only the LCBO. Mm. What we're finding is the LCBO is not giving us the marketing value that it used to give breweries. But what we are finding is licensees is taking that place. Hmm. So that people aren't willing to, when you say licensees, I like just to clarify, I imagine you meaning restaurants and bars. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'm saying that to kind of almost point out the hypocrisy from the consumer side where they won't go to the brewery, but they'll go to a restaurant or a bar. To get your stuff. So what we're seeing, no, I mean, in the sense of like licensee has become our better way of marketing. So if we okay. have, so not like more so volume, we have, just better. Yeah. yeah right. So if we're if we're 
if we're if we have a beer in at i think a good example would be beer town mm-hmm. um we have a beer in beer town if we have it in uh the one that is in uh in burlington or one in uh in cambridge well, it's very easy for those people to make it to london right and you know they're craft right. beer consumers because they're going to a place exactly like the they're already craft beer consumers walking through those doors mm-hmm. and we have anecdotally a lot of people that will go to those bars and restaurants and then make the drive down to our space. Right. Yep. Whereas we don't have the anecdotal evidence of people going to the LCBO and then saying, Oh, I tried your beer at the LCBO. I thought I should see what else you had. Whereas that used to be the case. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. So yeah, it's really interesting how that, uh, like, how the marketing aspect of that evolves over time. Mm-hmm. So then, what role does independent bottle shops play now? Has that taken up some of the slack? Because that must be a different. Are super, they Sorry. are super interesting. We love working with independent bottle shops, but independent bottle shops are uh, lower volume. A lot less volume. Yeah. They lot be, or are they like less volume but converting the right consumer? They're not converting people. They are they're already us. converted. They are us. You're right. They've yeah. already converted. You're speaking to the shops. you're preaching to the choir. You're so right. Yeah. And so the, what the what those bottle shop people are is I don't want to leave my neighborhood, but I want to drink <laughs> good beer. Yeah, that's me. And I think, like, and I think what the independent bottle shops do is they like, like we've already said, it's not converting anyone. Like the people walking through those doors are craft beer drinkers already. What it gives is the place for someone to be able to grab something from four or five different breweries without needing to place an online order of minimum fifty dollars from each brewery. Facts plus the shipping. That's exactly it. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, shipping for us was always a killer, which is actually why we killed it recently. Uh, mm. We wanted to keep on selling things, but we, it was not viable. That's fair. Us. That's fair. The, you're so right. I didn't think of it like that. Cause it's like everyone I meet, like I'm, you know, there's a Durand here in Hamilton, which is my mm-hmm. go-to and it's exceptional. Yeah. It's one of the best. You have uh, Durand and you have Endless. Endless um, as well. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, we also have uh shorties what's their place called oh shorties yeah the pizza spot yeah shorties is amazing um i haven't i haven't been there we usually would just uber eats it but that's sick to know that they've got your stuff as well i had been in there a couple times to pick up and they did have a a, like you know half a dozen ontario craft beers which is phenomenal we're kind of hurting for it a little bit in Ottawa. Like we do have some options. Like my like my personal favorite is Dominion City's Corner Store. Is they like the Friends of the Dominion stuff that they've got there is is usually pretty good, but it's uh, like but it's a lot smaller in scale than Durand and not as consistent. Like certain breweries will show up like like once every couple of months as opposed to Durand where they're guaranteed to have every single third moon and badlands release in it like in everyone else like the closest mm-hmm. that we've got here to that is the one that they've got out at the cat in um at, like at the cheshire cat in at the like in carp but that's way way out in the west end of town which is which is about a um 
like on on a good day, a thirty minute drive from the, the like from the center, like from the center of town here. So it's not uh, go it's not back. quite I as had, convenient I, as I went to uh, the cat back with in twenty ten. That was so that was thirteen years ago. Was whenever I went there, and yeah, the only thing they had on on tap at that point was uh, Guinness, Harp, and a couple other things like that. Well, oh, the cat! The, the, the cat is fantastic. They, 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 they're a great restaurant, and, and like they've now oh, got a spectacular yeah. craft tap list. One of the best in uh, the, the, like in the Ottawa region. Like they've probably got uh, like fifteen taps now, and they're like in the retail store is probably the best in the city. But uh, sure but yeah, it, it's a bit of a drive to get out there. <laughs> yeah, no, I was uh, I did a bike trip, and that was one of the places that I stopped in to. Uh, to take a little breather while I was biking, and uh, I just remember stopping in there, and it was packed because there was a soccer game on. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's cool yeah, how like, those uh, places have turned into a bottle shop. I like that a lot. Yeah, I mean, like that—that—that's a place that you would, back in the day, you would never expect that to happen at that location, mm-hmm. and that's what we love about it is that it can. Mm. Yep, um, I think that a fantastic location in Cambridge is the Gator's Tail. From the outside, you'd never expect it, but it's. Right. It's got, you know, it's got all your sports you want to watch and some of the best beers in Ontario on tap. Love that. Uh, in town here, you have Milosha's. He's got 32 beers on tap. And I've, had, I, I've heard so out. many good things about that place. People constantly rave about that to me. Unanimously. <laughs> we should hit it sometime, Nate, but. Yeah, we should. Should we do the, uh, the next one? It's time. I, I gotta go check something. I'll be right back in two yeah, seconds. Yeah, brother. Do it go for it. This is uh, a fascinating conversation. I had yeah, thought this about is a, yeah, this, this, like this is quite the uh, peek behind the curtain of the uh, like of what the marketing side is in um, the, the, like further into the twenty twenties. It, like it's wild how much the game changes in such a short amount of time, isn't it? Oh, bro, it's it's so insane, and it's like it's like almost disheartening to see how much the LCBO has. I don't know, like uh, I don't know, a, a disproportionate impact on craft yeah. beer. And then if you get people running the show who don't actually care, then it can mess with everything, um, yeah. which is extremely disappointing. And and um, I know we're supposed to more be talking about Storm State beer, which honestly, three from three. These are all, look, I got fucking three empty glasses right here. Uh, this is Me too, man. And, and like uh, like the one that I drained the fastest was uh, like was that Pills. That yeah. was so fucking good. <laughs> My God. I, I've been watching your, you empty your glasses. And just for you guys to know, Nate and I always have a running joke. I have a bit of a problem. I get really excited and I just fucking crush during these pods because we're always, you know, interviewing fantastic uh, breweries who do phenomenal stuff. And I just get excited and I just crush the beers and I end up really lit at the end of it. Um, Nate... Obviously, you're a, you're a earlier morning person than I for multiple reasons. And tonight was one of the first times I've seen you just fucking destroy every <laughs> single beer. It's, yeah, uh, man, it's true. It's great. I just want to point that out because I just let you know that I noticed that. And um, I feel, I'm feeling great. And there's one thing that I wanted to compliment uh, as well, Josh. So obviously, we're just saying how great all of these beers are and how Nate and I have both of us have three empty glasses uh, next to us when typically we would sort of let them ride a bit because we 
have to be responsible, but it's been difficult. Like we haven't been able to control ourselves and we're feeling great. And I think part of the reason is because they're the short cans. Um, yes. I, I, this format is so, is, I don't, I don't know if it's underrated, but I just, I love the short can format. It's so dope. I mean, we love the short can, which is why we do them. I, yeah. I don't drink much, which is a weird thing to say. Yeah, um, a, little, a little surprised. Yeah, but the reason we went with the short cans is for that reason. Right. I drink a tall can and I don't want a second. Gotcha. I drink a short can and I'm okay with having a second. Yeah. And if I've had a second, it's like, well, a third isn't that much more. Yep. It's mental gymnastics, but it's a thing. That's my thought process. I'm not saying it's right. I think you're a hundred percent. I was like, uh, this it, podcast, it, we could yeah, hit yeah, six easy. Uh, oh yeah. 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 The, 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 that would have been no problem. And, uh, in, in like, like these, like these are crushers just like, just going down super easy. And I've for a long time, been, like been outspoken about how like any high ABV beers, I want, like, I want them to be, 355 mil packaging um like like if it's an imperial stout like something like that like i'm really down for the pesce mortel 355 mil bottles or uh like or short cans it's a case of 500 mil bottles or even 750s for like for some going back in the days those will just wreck me if i (laughs) like anything that's high abv i want them on short cans i want them in 355 mil bottles every time do you, do you remember whenever everything was in bombers, 650 mil? Yes. Oh, very, my God. I mean, like, very that aggressive. Was, oh, those were rough days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like getting like a 9% Imperial IPA it, in those, it's like, all right, like, what are you I can't doing? drink this now. And then it's like, you keep on. It's like, okay, why is this beer nine months in the fridge? Yeah. That's every, That's like, every it, time. It, Oh yeah, it, it, it's a, that's a case of uh, like much love to left field and, and like and they now have everything in short cans. Right? Like God love them for that. But back in the day, when everything used to be in a six fifty mil bottle, you, you know, when Laser Show would come out, that could wreck you with just one bottle. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. Those six hundred. What would you say it was? It was six. Is it six sixty? Like two six fifty? Or like those Bose Weird. bottles? What were they? Were they six fifties? Yeah, they were. Yeah, like they were like, I was thinking about this last night because on Wednesdays I drink the big stouts and I had these two 355 mil cans and I was like, if I do two of those, what's that? That's like, all right, like 710 mils. I'm like, all right, that's a little bit bigger than those old Bose bottles. I'm like, do I want that fucking much of these stouts right now? I'm like, it's a little too much. So it's it's so interesting how much, I, I feel like the packaging influences the consumption so directly and i know there's something that is such a big topic of marketing that we always go through it's such a big gymnastics um just packaging should we be doing the 473s should we keep on with this should we go to 250 or 250 i don't think anyone does 250 what's 250 the red bull cans right yeah barley wine some people do that for imperial stouts pastries i i Look, if those are are viable, I think they're lit. I've always been an advocate. You know those ones? I don't know if it's quite the same thing because I can't remember the the conversion, but in America, they always have like the eight-ounce cans. They're like the stubby cans. They're almost like half a 355. Are they? I think so. Eight-ounce cans are 250s. Okay. I think. 
I could be wrong. We might um, have to I'm really check careful that. with my conversion from uh, uh, ounce to mils, but uh, we can double check. Uh, we have math the, is, my math is bad in the first place. Uh, uh, how many? That, but like like the slim cans, uh, those are actually three fifty fives, but they are just the height of a four seven three. That's right. Right. So it's two hundred and thirty six milliliters. So it's basically the same thing. So like those short cans, like if you can get an Imperial Stout in a can that's that big, which only got 250 mil for a single serving where it's like 10 plus percent, like 10, 11, 12, whatever, that's money. That's exactly where it needs to be. So what's, so this is stopping us from drinking our next beer. But the funny (laughs) thing about that though, is that is the perfect size for one person. Yes. But with those beers, you want to share them. You do, and imagine the last, this is the interesting point of that, the last three years, that wasn't an option. So anyone purchasing or releasing 750s or anything even close to that, like most of those bottles are probably still sitting uncracked in someone's cellar. I mean, my basement still has a ton of bottles in it. Yeah, I have a shit ton of bottles, and some of them intentional, some of them not so much. Some of them I'm very, I'm like, okay, I know that I can drink this because I allocate specific time for it, but not everybody does. Now we're in a different world. It is, I would argue that it's a time where everyone sort of, it's the closest thing we've had to normal since 2019. So, you know, I think the sharing thing is back, but are people having bottle shares? That's probably the real question. Like I haven't heard anybody doing bottle shares. We see bottle I. shares all the time. Yeah. So like and that's and that's very like uh my partner, she went to France and whenever she was there, she found a little bottle shop that had Concion. And it oh, was yeah. in a three seventy five. Love that. Mm. And the three seventy five of Concion is the perfect format for two people. Oh, what? The LCBO okay. announced that they were bringing in, uh, I'll pronounce the English way, Cantillon. They <laughs> said they were going to bring it in, but it was in the 750 mil bottle. Hmm. So, but like, hey, this is a fantastic beer. I'm going to, I love it. Let's buy some bottles. Because it's so big, we haven't touched them. Yeah. The SAQ do the same thing, and I have a bunch. I got two, three, seventy-five Cantillon, um, and I'm very happy I got two of those. And I have a bunch of Dre Fontaine, and, and I got some in, in three seventy-five, and I got some in seven fifty. And the intro because you have to go in a lottery on the SAQ website, they have a lottery, and mm-hmm. you enter that lottery and you win. And I'd like the ones that are always left other 375 because for some reason the quebec folks want the 750s and i'm like cool man i want the 375s i'm good with yep. that and it yep. was funny to me that like i aligned with you wholeheartedly that the smaller the better but yep. the bigger the big ones are the ones that sell out and they're the ones that are crazy expensive like i think i got right. homage and it was like 60 bucks and i was like fucking hell yeah that's well that goes back to our conversation that we had uh at the beginning uh, how circle. Quebec is completely different than Ontario. Mm. Very much so. It's it's a right? completely because, different I mean, culture. Every time I go there, like my my cousins are still having bottles that are six ten, six fifty, and it's like, where's your five seventy three cans? Yep, yeah, no, cans. yeah. Even I got a mate that I trade with regularly in Montreal. And he always hits me up every single time anybody here does a barley wine or an, or some sort of crazy stout 
oh my camera froze i'm going to swap that out um he's like he gets it sends it to me and then i'll ship it to him but he always wants the like the crazy double barrel barley wine or some shit like that it's so funny the things that like the only things he cares about are those beers um, friends of lunatic he you know what i'm talking about yeah like he just it's it's hilarious and he messes me and then he goes and sends me because i know i'm going to miami next week so he's like sends me this american app where they have all these crazy launches called osner or something like that oznr and like okay. they do these launches so you can like follow a brewery that you like oh look at that that kicked right in sick um okay i'm on the other side now and um <laughs> you you uh buy these you can you get this app and you get this notification. Hey, they're selling these beers and then you can go and buy it on this app. And then it's usually pick up or whatever. And they're all like, you know, sell out in five minutes, like $40 us bourbon barrel aid stouts in pappy barrels and all this crazy shit. I'm like these, these Quebec, the things that specifically he doesn't care about. They're like, yo, get me this haze, this new haze. Well, he just wants these fucking barley wines and stuff. It's so funny to me how, consistently specific this dude's taste is i think he represents quebec it's just yeah it's just really funny to me and i liked it it's funny to me almost that ontario seems to be the place that's releasing all of those right now maybe more than quebec i don't know i haven't noticed as much i mean for those things it's probably things that people had in their barrels and it's like oh shit like we need to make room let's let's yeah let's, let's, let's do a double thing yeah and like slap it out 18 months yeah and and, cool and, and, and and like that's a whole other conversation that you could probably fill an entire podcast with but um i like i remember seeing seeing something from uh these beer cruncher on twitter and beer aficionado on uh, like on instagram that oh, like great. the dude from rev from rev in chicago yeah. um and like 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 who does a whole bunch of really interesting breakdowns on uh, like on marketing and sales and, uh, like, yeah. and things like that and was talking about how you know during the pandemic one of the things that a lot of places were doing was doing seller sell-offs and uh like and things like like and things like that from stuff that had been aging for X number of years, and uh, like that was kind of one of those ways to get money in the door and whatnot. Mm. It's it, it, like there's a whole other marketing angle behind, like behind that strategy. It's it, like it, it's a wild business that <laughs> I didn't think of it like. And that. It, it's also too is very interesting about how people's uh, purchasing have changed. Um, and I, this is not a COVID thing. This is. Uh, and it's not an inflation thing either. Um, but like people are less willing to spend money on a long-term aged sour. They would rather get the cheaper kettle sour with fruit. They're not looking to buy a big double barrel barley wines or imperial stouts. They would rather get, you know, the pastry stout. And even then, like, mm. From our experience, like we have a pastry stout that we've made three times now that we just stopped making because it stuck around for too long. It doesn't mm. make sense for us to to produce it. Also, Maybe. I think mm. that that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Is we're a regional community brewery, mm. and if you're making eleven percent stout, you're not walking home. Or you're not driving for sure. Nope. 
But you'd be taking a, so, a bunch of them back, I would imagine. Like taking the packages, whether it's a bottle or can. Uh, we haven't seen that move. That's not our bread and butter. So that wouldn't be yeah, in we, London. I feel like that would move out yeah. here or in the GTA. Yeah. And we uh or, or would it? I don't know. Oh. Yeah, like like Akimbo is one of my favorite beers we make. And we did the executive decision of just not brewing it again this year. What it, uh, what style it is tastes that? like it's a pastry stout that tastes like spider cookies. Uh, uh, people in Ontario call them macaroons. Um, it's a coconut mm. chocolate. Yeah, vanilla, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's delicious. And the beer tastes exactly like it. It's sticky. It's thick. It's got the coconut. And you want to drink it. One. Sounds awesome. Don't want it. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds great, bro. Um, <laughs> But like it, it took so long to move it that it took up real estate that it mm. wasn't worth bringing back. Understood. Mm. Understood. It's an interesting conundrum. I know we we're just talking about uh, kettle sours. Yeah, let's fucking do it. Look at that. Boom. I'm. I don't have that one in front of me, but I want you guys to try that, and we're going to talk about that. That is. Ooh, uh, I'm excited. That's my baby right there. So this one here is a milkshake kettle sour with pineapple, lime, coconut, vanilla, and our good friend, lactose. Nate and I are passionate lactose enthusiasts, so this is right up our uh, alley. Um, you were saying off camera, we're talking about this, uh, Justin. Tell us about the the beer in general. And um, We were one of the first in Ontario to bring the kettle sour lactose fruit combo. Love it. Uh, we did this within a couple months of us opening. And we've just been rotating uh, berries and whatever in it. Um, I believe that uh, Bellwoods themselves had released Milk Shark before us. But for the sours, we were one of the first. I don't think many people have been doing the lactose since. I think we have a couple of people like Merit is doing it now. Maybe um, Rorschach. Raining Grit might have made, released one. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't add the lactose in their sours in Ontario, which is weird. That's yeah. Well, one of the only one of the only other ones that I can think of is a local one here. Flora Hall does a uh, uh, like does what they call a series of sherbet sours. Um, mm-hmm. But I think like but, but I think you guys were uh, like were a little ahead of them in uh, like in getting the shook out before they were doing their sherbet series. Like the whole point of this beer is I love desserts and I love jams. Mm. And so what we're doing this is we're trying to figure out how we can make it jammy. How can we make it taste like a dessert? Right. Uh, this one in particular is more of a cocktail focus with the, uh, the lime and the coconut, um, uh, going for the tropical notes, but we've done some that are bumbleberry. It's a very East coast, uh, style. And I, I, a lot of people in Ontario make bumbleberry, but they always forget an ingredient. Ooh. You always need to have some type of, stone fruit in it you need to have apricot you need to have peaches it can't Mm. just be berries i've never heard of bumbleberry until i think bellwoods did it and if i'm not mistaken is it made one i think blood brothers made one will is it blackberry raspberry blueberry it is any berry that you can put in it oh hence bumbleberry okay there's another name but you gotta uh, have a stone fruit or you have to add glutus down fruit. Okay. Hmm. Did not okay. know that. So we've, 
Yes, we've also we've done pog, passion fruit, orange guava. We've done tropical, uh, which is pineapple, guava, mango. Uh, blackberry is one of our favorites that we make. Uh, just pure blackberry. Bumbleberry is my favorite, uh, mostly because of the color. Uh, it's really hard to get blackberries and raspberries still. There was the a crop was destroyed last year, so I believe there was a in the Pacific Northwest, in uh, South America, and in Europe. I forget which place had which, but one place had a drought, one place had a fire, and one place had flooding. Oh gosh! And so it would have cost the year previous to buy twenty liters of raspberries or blackberries, same difference, it would have cost us 60 bucks for 20 liters of puree. Holy shit. Last year it was costing us up to 360 bucks. Fuck. Right? That is and that's why last year you didn't see anybody produce uh, anything with raspberries or blackberries. People were telling me that raspberries mm. were kind of wild last year, but no one told me it was that wild. It was insane. And wow. like I got a quote because I was like, all right, like what about, you know, uh, the concentrate because if I can get juice concentrate, you don't need to have the most beautiful berries. You just want the flavor. It's boom. Mm-hmm. And I got quoted five thousand dollars. <laughs> oh my god! It's yeah, it, it was ridiculous. Yeah, so <sighs> that's why we've kind of toned back on the berries. We've been focusing yeah. more on like stone fruity style uh, flavors. Doing the right uh, thing. And then this one here is. The first time that we've included, wait, does coconut count as a vegetable? I reckon it does. So it's the first time that we've included a coconut in this series. So Shook is our series that we include lactose. Uh, it always has vanilla because vanilla kind of amplifies fruit flavor, right? Okay. Uh, lactose uh, gives you the, the body, the texture that you want in these kinds of beers. You got the vanilla for the flavor and you got the tartness from the beer everything just kind of melds and works together i guess i'm gonna crack my fourth beer oh yeah i'm drinking a south crust tell us about that one while we're uh, sipping this glorious pineapple lime coconut vanilla and lactose milkshake sour so uh, i didn't believe that we could make a non-alcoholic beer that people would enjoy as much as we would so we made a two point four percent lager Hell yeah. Uh, okay. And, uh, okay. It's delicious. We we call it your beer between beers. Mm. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I've had um one of my friends, uh, uh note Nate, it's uh Matt from Box and Hop, Shasta Maddie in Montreal. He is a he calls himself the beer wizard because no, the beer magician because he makes beer disappear. Cause he just fucking crushes. He's a podcaster, a legend, such a good guy. And he told me that he tries to trick himself when he's getting on his rampages where he just can't stop. He tricks himself with uh, non-alcoholic beer to be able like to be between beers to be like between that. He's able to get that, get that same feeling of cracking a can, pouring it into a glass, drinking it like everything else and uh, getting that same feeling whilst not making himself more uh, sloshed, which I think Mm -hmm. was uh, an intelligent move. No. And I think that I, I'm super happy with how this beer turned out. Uh, it's two and a half percent. It's crushable. It's got a bitter bitterness so that you feel like there's something there. It's We use a lot of maltodextrin, which is a sugar that uh, yeast can't ferment. 
Um, and then we use the new technique to us uh, to kind of make the batch bigger than uh, it initially was. Uh, and we're just super happy with how it is. And then I know that all of us on the staff drink it. I can see why it must just be like the perfect sort of uh, work beer, as they say, as you were saying earlier. Well, you can, it's definitely a lot more beer. Like we really should release, we released in January because we wanted to get the, the dry January people. Yeah. But we really mm. should have released it in the summertime. Mm. Yeah, the beer you want to bring it back. Now. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, bring oh, it we, back. We, we probably it will. We definitely will. We have some more uh, fun things coming out this summer that I'm really looking forward to. But the beer you're drinking right now, uh, that was a fun one. This is um, so good, dude. There is a shit ton of coconut that we hand toasted ourselves. We The amount of pineapple is interesting because you don't really get it as much into my taste buds. Maybe it's you guys you're getting it, but whenever I'm tasting it, I find that I'm getting more of the lime character. Uh, other people find that the coconut is more prominent and the lime is less prominent. It's such an interesting beer. The the three flavors kind of hit you at different times while you're drinking it. Whereas mm. if you take some of our other beers in this series, it's like, all right, so I got bumbleberry, but it's a wash of just berry smacking you across the face. Right. You can't taste the differentiation. Yeah. yeah. And so I mean like, and that's what that's an interesting thing about this series. It's like you get to try things and be like, all right, that was fun. We're not gonna do it again. Or which is sometimes dope. it's like, hey, that worked really well. And like the blackberry, which I thought that I was going to find boring because it's only one fruit. Um, I like using mixtures. I like uh, the synergistic energies between them. Uh, the synergistic compounds, I should say, not energies, compounds. Uh, but the blackberry really stands alone, stands well on its own. Um, yeah, that's so, a great one. But the one you're drinking now, I find is super interesting. I think that the different we can hear uh, we can hear the chemist come out as you're uh, <laughs> as you're describing that. Yeah. I'm loving it. Um, oh, like, yeah, what are I, you guys thinking so far? What are you getting from it? So, uh, so well, one thing that I often find with uh, the, like with pineapple and even with uh, pineapple run to the forward hops is uh, like is that it sometimes comes out like like I'm like I'm very sensitive to it being overly acidic if that uh, like if that comes out a lot um, and whereas I am tasting pineapple a lot and there is certainly some acidity to it here which is to be expected I don't find that it's overpowering the other flavors like you say I do get the other flavors hit like hitting you at different times and I don't know that I that like at this point four beers in that my palate is refined enough to be able to actually pinpoint when they're coming out. But I'm, but like the, the flavors are combining really, really nicely. And uh, like, and like I say, the acidity in the pineapple is not really overpowering anything. They uh, like this, this is like a, like a tropical beach cocktail kind of, uh, like that's, kind of that's sour, exactly which, which I imagine is probably what you were going cocktail. for. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is a sour beer. Uh, so, I mean, like, we so we had that conversation earlier about uh, Dreyfontaine and Cancion, and they are fantastic sour beers. They have a lot of mm-hmm. fun to them and a lot of character, but you really have to think about the beer whenever you're drinking it. Yep. 
the way that we made make our sour beers, whether it be this beer that you're drinking now or a Berliner Weiss or whatever, is we want them to be your, I don't want to say entry-level beer, but an accessible sour beer. And so we want it to be a beer that, yeah, there's tartness to it, but it's not going to strip the enamel from your teeth. Mm-hmm. We want this to be something that somebody that's never tried a sour beer before. It's like, oh, I've had those fruit. I've had those vegetables. I've had those spices. I'm interested in trying that. And it's not going to scare them away. Some do. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. But, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, but to a lot of people, though, is uh, we try to choose like we try to choose fruits that people recognize. We have done fruits, uh, soursop, uh, lulo. Uh, they're fruits that people aren't don't recognize right away. Yeah, it's a little and, more exotic. But we've done those after we've done so many of them that people see the brand name, recognize it, and are like, "I will give this a chance." Mm-hmm. Right. Nice. I would just say soursop. I did see that in uh, on the untapped lineup there. That is a phenomenal fruit for this style, like particularly with that uh, lactose backbone. Do they all have lactose in it? I guess it's milkshake sour, right? Vanilla yes. and lactose so the, is guaranteed. The, the Shook series. We did start a uh, non-lactose sour, so we use maltodextrin in that one. So that we do have a vegan option. That's cool. Um, we don't do that one as much, but that is, uh, yeah. These sour beers are so interesting. Uh, they've yeah. really been a wave. It's kind of like a, I mean, seltzer is a lot more of a peak in a valley. Uh, when we started making these, our Shook series accounted for 35 to 45% of our sales. Wow. No shit. It now makes Team lactose. Wow. What happened? I think that people during COVID wanted something that is easily digestible, not digestible in the sense of like gut, but in the sense of, I don't have to think about it. Mm. And I think that's where your lager comes in. That's mm. where your pale ale comes in. I think that's a really that's, good point. Cause if you're seeing I mean, like, that I like, on the numbers, like I've heard that quant- qualitatively. From, from just talking to people. So you're seeing that literally in the numbers that that's where people yeah. are sort of moving towards. And I mean, like we love brewing these beers because they're a challenge. I mean, sometimes we don't want a challenge, but it's a lot of fun to challenge ourselves around once in a while. And this is, the Shook series is possibly one of our more challenging brews to do. It's a two to three day long process, uh, depending on if we're doing a single or double batch. Um, getting a pH right beforehand, getting the pH right afterhand so it doesn't strip your enamel. Uh, like there's so much fun to make. And it's, it's very interesting to see the shift in our cus- customers' better. Hmm. I just find it really interesting that this type of beer would be the one that would drop so much, but there's been like a, I was talking, Nate, I don't know if it was us talking about, I was talking to someone about this, like this week we've talked about it in the past where like maybe people have sort of like 
you know, like the, the typical craft beer consumer is super promiscuous. They would try every beer from every brewery, always want the newest thing. And then maybe over COVID in the beginning, at least the first year, probably that was amplified because people were excited as hell. And that was the most exciting thing in life was to get the fresh, new, fun beer. And then as time went on, it almost seemed like people were sort of uh, leaning into sort of maybe like reliable favorites, such as Cove and Sunburst. Exactly what you're saying. You know, crispies, pails, maybe IPAs in some cases, and just things that you could get regularly that were, you knew what it was going to be. You didn't have to, like you said, didn't have to think about it too much. And that's where a lot of people went. It was almost like it was like a, 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 pendulum swing back from that sort of consistent chase of what's new and such. Yeah. We found that we don't get the what's new crowd. Okay. Mm. We always wanted to be that. And so we've started focusing on what we know we make good. Right. Let's make it better. How do you feel about that? I mean, like I got into this because um, I love experimentation. I love trying new things and I want to constantly be pushing the envelope on things. And the, it kind of saddens me that that's not the way that things are, but I understand why that's the case. And I'm happy that people are going for our lagers because I think they're tasty. I'm happy that people are going for a pale ale because I think it's what I want to drink. And so it allows me to drink beers that I, while I do like drinking sour beers, it's not always the first beer I'm reaching for. Yep. Which means that I get to always have fresh cove, fresh dashboard, fresh sunburst i like that so even i know you were saying that you typically weren't like were you ever that beer guy that was like chasing new stuff or that was not really ever something you did i was too lazy for that (laughs) (laughs) i genuinely respect Um, that (laughs) but like I, I went to, I've never gone and camped overnight for beer releases. Gotcha. Um, I've been lucky to have friends that have had access to things. I mean, like I've had a bottle of Hunapu and that oh, was delicious. And I would love to have that more often, but I'm not going to be drinking Hunapu very often. I've been lucky that I can travel down and visit friends and uh, New York and visit uh, Hudson Valley. Um, our, one of our lead bartenders is, uh, used to work there for a number of years. And so we have a, a good hookup for there. Um, I love the fact that we could just cross the border now and go to... Oh, shoot. My Buffalo and stuff? Finger Lakes. Oh, the Finger Lakes half. and go to uh, other half. Well, other now half. they're even in Buffalo. Yep. I went to both right. a few weeks ago. Yeah. Holmes, Holmes is over in Ann Arbor. Uh, Ann Arbor. Yeah. Uh, I did go to a beer release once. 
and that was for Jolly Pumpkins La Roja. <laughs> right? And that's not a beer people would go for a beer release anymore. No, not anymore. Um, I think that I am not the person that will go to those styles of beer releases, which maybe is why that we don't have those kind of things at our place. But I've been lucky that I've had friends and acquaintances that would share things with me. Right. And I've been able to experience things. So while I don't go for the beer release, I love different beers and I'm always searching out different breweries and trying different brands whenever I'm in other cities. Can we choose our vacations based on that? As do we, I feel you on that. Oh yeah, for sure. Right. So nobody wants to go, nobody wants to go to a city with bad beer. You got to have at least one place. (laughs) I always feel like there's not even that many places. Like at least if you're, Canada's getting there, but say like, you know, even planning the trip down to Miami, I'm like, all right, we're going to try and make it like three days of about eight hours each. Like which cities could we stop in that we know have fire beer? So I've tried, I even tried chat GPT speaking of that. Cause we were talking about it earlier and it kept fucking with me. It kept giving me seven day trips. I'm like, bro, give me three days, two nights in, in one, in two different beers. And it just wouldn't do it. It was hilarious. It just like, it actually kind of pissed me off. So I just figured it out. I just kept doing Google Maps, like Hamilton to like Philly, Hamilton to DC, Hamilton to blah, blah, blah. And just kept finding out, okay, that day, eight hours, boom, next day. And just kept trying to like map it out around that. But yeah, I feel like a lot of beer people do plan that out. And even if it's not even the place you stay overnight, it's a place you're going right past on the way somewhere else that you can just zip in. It's not that hard. That's like a... uh, we were we went to Chicago uh, right before COVID. Uh, if you go to Chicago, do the architecture tour. It is worth it. It's a bit of money per person. Completely worth it. Chicago. I, I, I I'll, se- I'll second that. It's a hundred percent worth it. Um, but on the way, it's like, well, you know, let's 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 hit up Kalamazoo, and then hey, we're in Kalamazoo. Let's hit up Transient which is half an hour away, 45 minutes away. All right, we're hitting there. Well, let's hit up Three Floyds because it's on the way. So like, these are all places that it's like, oh, shit, I've heard about these places. I need to go. Mm. Yep. And lucky thing is, is that we always travel in the middle of the week. And so it's always dead and we get to get the good stuff. That's, That's the time. time to go. Just no lines. Yeah. Yeah, weekends are the worst. But yeah, it's not always like the the. I know what you're saying, though. I guess the reason we're talking about it was saying the. You thought initially that you would get those hype people, but it's like I guess it's sort of like Storm State has has sort of created its own personality, its own beast as to what it is and who it attracts. And I guess that's you know you go into a business with an idea, and then reality says no. Well, this is more what it is. And it sounds like it's more in line with who you are actually as, a, as that, a human. Yeah. And I mean, like, I'm cool with that. I think there's no, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. There's not everyone has to be hype and like, you know, who says hype I, lasts forever. Yeah. And I mean, like, I love the fact that I can go in there at noon and I know the person that's sitting at the bar and I can go in there at five o'clock and it'll be somebody different. And I know that person sitting at the bar. 
and I can go in there at eight o'clock and I will know that person sitting at the table, right? It's, it is a community. And I think that that's what we're missing for the last couple of years is people worried about going out. Now that people are out, people want to talk, people want to chat, people mm. want to have a good time and people want to be friendly. Yeah. And I think that that's what we've always wanted to be was a place that you wanted to explore, try new beers, which is why we, like I said, we have 16 on tap, but you can have a conversation with the bartender. That's dope, man. And I feel like there's like, that's valuable. Particularly, it sounds like it's exactly what London needs. In a, you know, you've got a pretty unique beer scene out there. There's a lot of different stuff happening. That that sounds like you're filling that exact niche. And I think that that's, I think that that is what a lot of places are going to move towards. Mm. In the sense that you have to find your niche. Yeah. Is not everybody is going to be an Anderson's. Not everybody is going to be a beer lab. Not everybody is going to be, you know, you need to find what you are, make sure you're comfortable with it Mm. and embrace it. Yep. And that's an important message and not, you know, because you can't be everything. No, you can't be everything to everyone. And everyone's sort of often chasing that sort of dragon of, of being, that you know it hype brewery Mm -hmm. but like you said every every brewery that i've you know nate and i have spoken to that are that never intended to be that and didn't do anything to be that they just did what they did and it happened to work out that way and Mm -hmm. i said that the cards fell where they may type of shit and that's okay and that's cool because everyone has their place and if everyone was a hype brewery then there is no hype breweries and you know it's a good some, way of putting it yeah and then some people detest hype breweries i know some people who genuinely do and there's some very vocal people in craft beer they're just you know people who post online that aren't into it they push against it they're the purest types cool no worries so there's like you know there's just going to be enough for everybody and as like i don't know nate you could probably echo this but i find that like the the breweries that do what you're describing would sort of like brew the beers that you want to drink in the way that you want to do it. That's true. Just authenticity top to bottom. They work consistently. Well, yeah, I will say though, that we do stupid shit. I love stupid shit. (laughs) I mean, like we were the, I think that we were one of the, we were the first brewery to have a uh, slush machine. Really? In, in Ontario. That's yeah. a big call. Oh dang! I, I will. I will stand by it. We did that in. Uh, we did that in summer twenty twenty. That is a strong stance, and I'm here for it. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so we do that. <laughs> we. I mean, I think that the Shook series, like, we were one of the first ones to do that, and I'm super proud with how that series has evolved over time. Mm. Um, and while our beers, such as our lager, such as our pale ale, is what pays for the bills, it allows us to do stupid shit like that. We have a couple of beers coming down the pipeline that are dumb, 
and we're looking forward to it. Uh, and then we also have, uh, I think there's one coming out in two weeks that we're super excited for. And we're all just like, this is the stupidest thing ever. Oh God. Like I'm, I'm already amped for that. Just be, like, just based on that description. Let's go. Uh, just, I think there's gonna be like five spices in it. There's carrot in it. Like we're going for a carrot cake beer. Nice, nice. And, but there's a couple of extra components that you'll be happy about. I'm going to keep my lips sealed on that one. We can talk off like, about that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty awesome. But like at the same time, like we're looking to bring back some of the classics. And this goes back to our conversation about the Berliner Weiss, about how that moves on tap but doesn't move in cans. We're already expecting that to be the case with some of these beers. Mm. So like, we're thinking that we want to do uh, what's what's everybody's favorite. I assume a broad statement, but like one of my favorite beers is uh, Konambu. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and we've never done that. Mm. It's like well, everybody likes everybody likes Shock Top. They say they don't, but everybody likes Shock Top. <laughs> <laughs> like everybody loves Belgian or Blue Moon, depending on where you live. Like, and so we're going to bring back beers like that. And like, English Bitter is another one that we love to brew, mm. and we brew that. Yeah, we're probably going to bring it back more and more, just because Please. it's a four and a half percent beer that you can just crush a caramel yep. roasty gorgeousness. Yeah, hey, right? like. And if we if we could move it, we'd probably move, brew more milds because sometimes you need a three percent. But that's why we brewed the two percent lager. There you go. Indeed, oatmeal stout is. So I mean, like, we do the stupid shit. Like, I mean, we had Jello shots for St. Patty's Day. <laughs> Amazing. I respect <laughs> it. Was there beer in the Jello shots, or was it just? OG? No, there wasn't. No? Yeah, we uh, we have a Tide House license, so we can. Uh, we can have uh, other alcohols on premise. Imagine having this specific shook in a jello shot. Oh, that would but work, like, that's, man. So, that would work. Our, like our slush, our slush machine, that's what we do is we take these beers, but then we'll throw other stuff in it. So okay. like if we had like our pasture guava beer, it's like, all right, what else is tropical? We'll add that to it in the slush machine. Okay. Fuck man, we have to go to London. So, like, our this is... is how we how experiment every week is a new recipe. My favorite one was blue raspberry. That was awesome. Oof, old school. I love that. I it's like so... that you got this balance. Sorry, Nega. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I was just gonna say the same thing. I like. I love that balance because, like you're saying, like you know, like you guys like to have fun with the like with the stupid shit, and we're so here for that. And uh, like, it's so funny. To me, to like to hear you kind of talk about Sunburst and Cove as like beers that pay the bills, but I like, and I think Seal backed me up on this, but like, like those were the beers that we that, that like we crushed the fastest on like on this, like there was they were gone, they, 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 like we're so here for a money pale ale, and the, the, like and that pills is every time absolute gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, like and to think of those as like as the ones that pay, like the ones that pay the bills, but like those are really fucking good beers, man. Yeah, dude. Thank you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. But yeah, like when I say we do stupid shit, 
the problem with those things is people don't buy them. <laughs> right? That's unfortunate. People will come yeah. in and have one of them and then they'll go back to their pale ale or they'll go back mm. to the lager. Yeah. So you no, have, no, that, and, and that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> if you use like the slushy as an example, like you have people that come in every weekend and the first thing they have is that slushy. And then they'll have two beers. But and to be fair, that's door, probably like that's to be fair, that's probably what I would do, like, like what I would do there as well. Yeah, because you couldn't drink them all day. It, it'd be like a lot. Because I guess that's well, the, we do sell them to go. So if you want to take your slushy home, you can do that too. Oh, see, there you go. So it actually would be better to crush some coves and sunbursts and stuff and have some other fun stuff on tap and then take uh, a nice extra large if you can get sizes. Of the old uh, slushy. Uh, yeah, we have it in like a bladder. It's a frozen oh. bladder. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> so it's like Dang. a free sun for adults. Oh, I love that. Cops wouldn't even know. I'm joking. Oh, I'm, I'm be responsible. Yeah, be responsible. You drink it in. Like yeah, you don't drink it in the streets of London. You drink it in the comfort of your own home. Exactly. Once you get back there safely. <laughs> I love it. No, it's interesting though. Hearing like that that balance of the crazy stuff with the uh, Nate, and Nate and I have always been into the I don't know. We always joke and call like innovation type of thing, like just fun ass beers that the purists tend to not like. But we equally love the purest stuff. Like you know, we will lose our shit obviously over Cove and, and Sunburst right now. Well, Cove specifically is a more purest type of beer. Like that, it's so cool to see a brewery that can embrace both sides of that. Because it's, I would, I, I would probably say it's not that common. People typically lean into one or the other. Like, be like, hey, we do fun, crazy shit, or nah, man, we do like traditional stuff. But it seems like you guys are, you know, doing whatever the hell pleases you. I'm not going to say that we're all over the place and whatnot, but it feels like from an outsider's perspective that we are. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're doing is going back to the community aspect of hey it's saturday what do you want to do i want to grab a beer i don't know if i want a beer do you want a slushy yeah i want a slushy <laughs> like and then well, we got because you. we have a tide house license we are also able to have uh so Hemans is a uh a strawberry uh producer in town but they make amazing ciders mm. and so we have that on tap um and we started uh innovating with a cocktail uh on draft and so we have cocktails on draft wow and so that's we have product and then whenever i'm not feeling lazy we'll also make like um non-alcoholic seltzers so we tend to do strawberry basil or blueberry lime or stuff like that and so it's something else for people to enjoy that doesn't always have to be beer when while we are a brewery that love beer we recognize that not everybody does. Mm. Yeah. So you guys just know you. You guys just know your market. We like to pretend that we do. <laughs> I don't even know if you're pretending in any shape or form. It sounds like you're really on top of that shit, and you're being a humble man. Jesse. You're being, yeah, you're you're being humble, but I think you know your market pretty well. <laughs> It's cool though. It's cool to hear like how, how sort of authentically you do know that and that you're catering towards that and you try stuff and you're like, Oh, okay. 
we learned that now we should probably do this instead. I think that's great. That's like phenomenal. And even just, you know, like what we've had today is a nice little like summary. And you could argue that what we've had tonight technically is probably in the realm of hype from a, you know, a nice, like, you know, traditional pills, which happens to some reason be in the hype world to a beautiful pale and a, the, the IPA and then now a milkshake sour, you know, but then you equally do all the other stuff. It's just, it's just cool to see that like you can do everything type of thing. Well, I won't say everything, but you know, you can do the things that were in, you know, you can do this type of stuff, but you can also do the Irish red, the blonde that's now with a lager yeast and all these other fun, like, you know, more that speak to this audience and speak to that audience without feel like, like you meant just mentioned, it doesn't feel all over the place to me in any shape or form. It feels very thoughtful and, and considered, you know? Yeah. And I think that that is, I mean, obviously I like to think that I'm steering the ship, but I get a lot of feedback from everybody that works at the brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not a one man show. Um, Diana is our uh, head brewer and she shoots down a lot of my ideas because they're dumb. <laughs> but she comes up with other ideas in its place. Uh, Courtney is another good example of somebody who will look at an idea and think, hey, we need to try this. How can we get this to work? And then Paul, who does the designs, he comes up with fantastic ideas as well. And not not and I mean I haven't mentioned any of our of our front of house staff, but they all come up with fantastic ideas as well. So it's it is not a one-man show, definitely. Uh, I love you got to take input where you can. Mm. That's a good point. I mean, it's all about the team. I think that stagnation is going to be the death of companies. And I'm not saying that you need to innovate. You don't need to always be new. But I think that you need to learn to roll with the punches, see what works, see what sticks, and move forward from there. Hmm. Yep. Great advice. Sage advice, I might say. Indeed. Dude. Yeah, don't say yeah. <laughs> Um, This is awesome. Was there anything else, boys, that we wanted to make sure we cover before we uh, wrap her up? With, uh, I feel like we got into some like really interesting conversations this evening. This was like really fun. Like I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I can't think of anything. I mean, like, yeah. Is there anything coming up that people need to know about? Do you know, is there any like launches or events or, you know, I know we're coming into, we're in I think that that's, well, that goes into like the whole, like we, we've kind of like moved away from doing like special, really special, really special release. And it's like, Hey, we're making some sweet beers. Come and drink them. Right. Uh, so we're going to be releasing new beers every two, every three weeks. Um, we're going to be, always trying to innovate and push the boundaries. We're going to be producing the same stuff, but we're also going to try to, we always do events and fun things like that. Like we've got trivia every Thursday. We've got events happening on like, because we're a community pub, like we need to have it community focused. Mm. And you've got a 14% barley wine coming out in 750 mil bottles in uh, exactly right. Yeah. 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 Triple, triple barrel age. (laughs) Triple barrel, Quebec. Yeah. Get your proxies ready. 
about to be a problem in London. Yeah. No, I think I think the biggest thing I want to push right now is probably like the uh, the beer that you guys drank last was the beer that is uh, we have some money going towards uh, the women's shelter in town. Oh, emotion right here. Yeah. Yep. There we are. I'm, That's I'm the drinking one. too much of that, and I think that I hope that people are enjoying it as much as I am. Man, all of these were fantastic. Genuinely, like I said, uh, I got four empty glasses next to me, and uh, most more times we would, you know, we couldn't help ourselves. And this is, I feel like this is a fantastic sign. I'm extremely impressed with everything you guys are doing, dude. Like, I'd like I'd heard always, I'd always heard great things. And it hadn't got out to London. I obviously had been in Montreal for the longest time, so being able to sort of chat to you and, and try all these beers and 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 hear the story and understand sort of where you guys are coming from, I feel like have a really good understanding of of who Storm State is, um, and it's I, I'm just, I'm just super impressed, and I feel like this explains sort of all anything I've ever heard about you guys. I'm like, yeah, this is what the fuck they're talking about. This is, it's fantastic. You just, you're hitting like a real unique, you got a very unique sort of take on beer and, and position in the market where you're able to do something as fire as these beers, but also as traditional as the other stuff. So it's, um, it's great, man. I love to hear it. And I'm excited to get out there. Hopefully Nate, we've Nate is from Burlington. So Nate gets out and whenever he's out, in this uh, side of town, we always make sure we get out somewhere. So this summer, we're uh, trying to hit as many places because we've been talking to a lot of breweries. We're like, all right, we have a lot of work to do. Going to go see yeah, a bunch sure. of people, check out a bunch of spots. So I'm, I'm genuinely excited to get out there, dude. This is crazy. Well, I hope you come down. Um, I'm almost always there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so definitely hit us up. Yeah, no, we're, I mean, we're on the main, one of the main drags in the city. Uh, so it's pretty easy to find. And uh, we're only a five-minute drive, 15-minute walk downtown. Um, I, I, yeah, we're close to 401, 401, 401. Yeah. So it's perfect. Good so place for a crawl to check out. Yeah. To yeah, well, and also, we got fantastic there. burgers. I don't think I mentioned that. No, tell us about the burgers. We got a, a gentleman doing uh, smash burgers out of our garage right now. Ooh, and uh, There you go. They are... They are some of the, I think they're the best in the city. I'll say that. I think you should boldly say that. Confidently. I will say that. There you go. Dan, your burgers are the best in the city. There we go. Shout outs to Dan. I have no reason not to believe you, sir. You look trustworthy to me. That mustache (laughs) screams trust. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Like nothing better than a beer and a burger. What more do you need? Exactly. Exactly. And some sunshine. In London, Ontario, goddammit. Um, dude, this is awesome. Justin, thank you so much for hanging out, man. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, really appreciate you, man. This is great. I hope everyone well, uh, took a lot of it. Me on. I really appreciate it. Uh listened to a bunch of your stuff, so it's it's great to actually get to meet you guys. Yeah, likewise, man. And I'm genuinely excited to get down. So we'll absolutely keep uh keep in touch because like I said, Nate and I are really trying to get to as many places this summer as possible. God damn it. Um, yeah, this has been an absolute genuine pleasure. Stick around on the call. We're going to wrap everything up on the thing. When we end it, we can, we can chat off air a little bit, but uh, thank you again for hanging out. Let's get the uh, thumbnail. I'm going to take a screenshot of yeah, this. Do hold up some cans. Ooh, yeah. Oh, there we go. It's always the thing. There we go. Oh, it, right? That's it. Perfect. Perfect. There we go. You ready? 
Oh, that is stunning, boys. Uh, Justin, for everyone wanting to know, where can they find Stormstead online and in person? Uh, so we're at stormstead.com. We're at uh, Stormstead on at Stormstead on Instagram. Uh, that's where we post uh, everything, uh, whether it be upcoming events, whether it be burgers, whether it be beer releases. Check Instagram first, uh, by far. That is our most used platform, and it's a platform that we use the most to see what other places are doing. We're at 169 Warncliffe Road South, which is uh, right across from Harvey's, but it's an easy way to tell you how to get there. There's no need to go uh, to Harvey's, though, because they got the best no, smash burgers in the city, that's all I'm saying. Exactly. Uh, smash burgers are every uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Don't come uh, on Wednesdays. No. And you can find our some of some of our beer at your local LCBO. And if you don't see it there, what you're gonna do is you're gonna say, Hi, I'd like to request some Storm State in this motherfucker right now. Please so, do right. madam, please. And yeah. they will make sure that happens. Glorious. Justin, you're a legend. Uh Nathaniel, where can everyone find you, sir? Uh, you can find me everywhere at Nathan Does Beer or right here co-hosting BAOS Podcast. Damn right they can. And everyone, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up, hit subscribe below, hit the notification bell, Nathaniel. Ding. So you know when the new episodes drop. Follow us everywhere at BOS Podcast. We drop every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern for the video. We drop the audio in the morning so the uh, humans who are commuting will have something fun and new to listen to. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, throw us a five-star review. We actually, I got a... uh, we have something called the High Season Network. So that is like our company that has BOS podcasts and our other podcasts called Bad Habits. We have it all under this one thing on Apple Podcasts. I got that up yesterday. So that's kind of cool. So go check that out. Um, make sure you go check out Storm Stayed. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Get it in you. Cheers. <laughs>